For someone who travels weekly, hotels, they get boring pretty quick. They're lonely, crowded, you know, just, I want to find something more fun. So on tour, we started seeing a lot in Airbnbs. Uh, you know, I did my special taping in Phoenix uh, in 2021, and we had a Airbnb then, and it was just so much fun. I mean, it's honestly a lot cheaper, too, is what's crazy. Um uh, just so much more space. They have full homes. I mean, it's, you can, you know, easy to cook stuff, easy to, you just feel like you're at home. Uh, did you know you could also be my next Airbnb host? And uh, I mean, in fact, my tour manager, Travis, recently started hosting his place on Airbnb. Uh, he says it's a great way to make extra money while we are on the road this summer, uh, since his home would be just sitting empty. It's a great idea to host while you're away if you have some upcoming travel plans this summer. Uh, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, folks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Nate Land Podcast. Uh, sitting here with Aaron Weber, Brian Bates. I had trouble saying folks this weekend on stage. Oh, you said it? And hunt- well, no, I, I didn't say it like saying, hey, folks, yeah. on stage. But uh, I was doing a trying to tell an old story about Po Folks. <laughs> remember that restaurant? No. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember it. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's like it was like a... Captain D's type, all right? You had a you had a waiter though. The Bates family loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like uh it's kind of like a you know, like the fast food kind of place, but a restaurant. Yeah, a little bit a of, server. Yeah, a little bit yeah. in in between. Yeah, like and a the, steak and shake, that kind of vibe. Yeah, a but yeah. a little bit, but it was like very I feel like it's very southern, oh, very yeah. you know, like after church, packed, okay. you know, that it's kind of thing. It's not poor folks, it's po folks. Po folks. And so I was saying that on stage. Uh, I actually just changed it and, and started saying something because I was talking about O Charlie's before, and I just made it O Charlie's after, just to avoid saying the word. Yeah, because I for some reason it was like po folks, like it's just I don't know. I was having I just had trouble with it on stage. Did so you I, mention I the uh, Silver War? Any? Yeah, I've been. I did that joke. <laughs> Silver War. Every time I say it, I think about it. And I just want to be done. I'm almost done telling that joke, and so I still have it, but. Uh, I say Civil War. Yeah. And so it sounds like <laughs> we did pretty good this weekend, Huntsville. Uh, I was able to do like 40, 45 minutes new. Oh, that's so, awesome. Not saying it's all great. There's a, I would say half of it feels pretty good. Uh, so anybody coming to these club shows, it's doing, you know, I think I can get to 40, 45, you know, round there of new. And then uh, I only, you know, did probably 15, 20 from the special yeah so that's not bad a lot of people waited this weekend uh everybody that came out to huntsville stand up live thank you they were they were awesome man and uh yeah i mean i would ask is like who watched the special and sunday night a lot of people watched it and then uh but the other the other shows friday and saturday was you know you could tell like it wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of people were waiting because mm-hmm. they were so close i guess to you know we're in appleton wisconsin coming up uh so, but it was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, special's been good. Everybody's been very nice. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people reached out. A lot of people have been very, you know, cool about it. Their views have been very nice. You know, it's all it's all crazy. It's great. It's all nerve-wracking. 
You just wait for like, you know, because it's like you read something bad about it. It's like that's the hard part as a comedian. You read if someone says anything bad, like it's just and it's like a, just nobody. Not saying it's nobody, but it's just a comment. It's like a random kind of thing. Yeah, and it just gets in your head, and you're just I think about that person. As a fan of The Office, to get a comment from BJ Novak, that would be yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, I've never met him, but uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. I mean, it's definitely. Uh, the response over the Tennessee kid, the Tennessee kid, obviously was the, the response was very good. Response is always good, but it's, you can just tell, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. There was, it's just different. It's, a you know, it's a lot more, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's been, yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. It's wild. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Uh, as always, thanks for commenting. Uh, you know, all this YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Apple podcast reviews, Nate Lane and NateBargetzi.com. Uh, also, we're doing a live show. We've mentioned, I think both shows are sold out at Zany's. Uh, but we are going to read, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a comment-heavy show, that live show, I think. And I'm hoping to take, if you have comments and you want to ask them live at that show, we will be able to do that. We'll have someone with a microphone walking around. Uh, and that's the goal of it. I think that would be the best for a live show is to do something like that. Yeah. And we're going to film it, so you better see it. And then uh, uh, if you want to email, though, specifically for that live show, if you're not going to be there, or even if you are going to be there, maybe you don't want to ask the question uh, on the microphone, uh, email uh, nateland at nabargetsy.com and just put in the subject, live podcast, uh, so we know to pull it out. Uh, Josh Oler, Oler, Oler. Dusty Slay is my favorite guest yet. You guys have a great rapport with Dusty, and it seems like he's been on the show since you were talking about fast food and just desperately trying to explain <laughs> Wall Street. This is my favorite episode yet by far. Yeah, Dusty. Uh, yeah, Dusty was a great guest, and then Dusty's had a have a bit of a run. He's had a bit of some problems since then. Yeah, he's like publicly said it. Right, we're not. But right, he's been battling a non COVID related health issue for a while now, and then yeah. he had to have emergency surgery. Yeah, recently, so he's recovering from that. Yeah, um, so keep Dusty in your prayers, thoughts, whatever you do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think he's doing good. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't want to alarm anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that was the last time Dusty will ever be on. He's, <laughs> that, but then we can start the episode. With, Dusty is dead, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, he's uh, he's doing good, recovering from that, and uh, so yeah, everybody think uh, think about him. David WR99, I watched because I saw Nate on Rogan's podcast. You guys owe me two hours of life. What was that? I kept expecting <laughs> something interesting to come up, but it never did. What was your response to that guy? I said, welcome to the show. Man. Welcome to the show, David. This is what it is, dude. How did he, you know, what did he want? I just love the idea that I go, I'll check out that guy's podcast. Yeah. I just, wait. What is this? What is this? <laughs> what was that? I thought, what What turn? I don't see how you could go two hours into this and you th- you keep thinking, like, something's got to. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, you know, like, do they think it's a plot twist? <laughs> You're an hour, 40 minutes in. Like, all right, still time to turn it around. Guys. He goes, he, he can still do it. Like, we think the real host come tap us on the shoulder and we let them do an <laughs> actual podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude, we are a time waster here. That's yeah. what this is. Yeah. That's what it's about. <laughs> Derek Visor, Visor, Visor or Visor. 
Great to hear Nate on Rogan. I literally stayed up all night listening to it and watching the special. The next day, I took a nap and slept through pickup time for my son's school. I woke up to my wife calling me from work to say, where are you? The school has called me three times. I guess they knew to call the wife. I think they all know. Mm. Most schools, besides the one that it called me, which that joke I have about the bus joke, the school, the lady from the school did call me. But one thing that I don't say in it is uh, I did say, I go, I'm her dad, is exactly how I responded. And the lady goes, I know, your wife didn't answer. <laughs> so there's there's the truth <laughs> to it. She did try my wife, and my wife wasn't answering. So th- it was a backup call. Uh, Samuel House. My wife and I just watched a special and both in tears at the part about being in charge of the family now. My dad had his pants fall down in the Best Buy parking lot, <laughs> slipped on posters on the floor at an office depot, and somehow had his underwear fall down inside his shorts <laughs> while at a local electronics store. <laughs> I feel like I'm not only in charge of the family, but also his wardrobe. That's so great. Man. If I had all that stuff, I would I would be talking about it all. <laughs> I was with you when your dad left the car door open. <laughs> yeah. We just came out a few hours later and just wide Bow open. Valhalla. When we golfed. Yeah. And uh, I should have said that. In, I don't know why I didn't say that in the uh, special. Because uh, it was. It was five hours. <laughs> we, we were gone for five hours. And then we go back. And I'm like, Dad, what do you? Because he just met us there. And we were riding back with him. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you do? I go, Dad, your door's open. <laughs> and his driver's side door. For five, wasn't it five hours? Yeah. Just open in the parking lot. <laughs> Surprised it didn't even start it. I mean, yeah. the battery wasn't run down. I mean, just like, I think he opened it. I think he went to the back of the car, then yeah. just yeah. forgot about it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start talking with my our, my parents and, their, and the, the Dentons are uh, long, my parents' best friends. Uh, I'm, we're gonna, we're all gonna get together because I was like, I need to go through some old. I need some new. I want some family stories. We have like our family has some. Obviously, the Bargettsies I've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. but uh, I need to get some new stories. You know, I'm related yeah. to the Dentons. You are, yes. That's even crazy. So the Dentons, the uh, Wayne and Linda Denton, who are our, our family's best friend. I mean, they've been our best friends. It's like my, you know, since I was a kid. I was, I don't know, my whole life, and. uh so we randomly find out he's related to the Dentons. How? This How are related. you? His uh, grandfather and my great-grandmother were brother and sisters, I think. Oh, yeah. wow. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's uh, the South for you. That's the South. <laughs> the South is just that. Like, yeah. we're just if, – if, if you're from here, yeah. too, yeah. I feel like it's even worse. Like, it's oh, yeah. something, you know, another way. Uh, Rita H., Richard Klein is the actor who played Larry on Three's Company. I'm not sure this fact will make Brian feel all that much better about saying Richard Klein instead of Robert Klein. Uh, she's totally right. We've been yeah. binging Three's Company lately. And really? We love Larry. <laughs> yeah. Three's Company. And so I think it did get in my head. Yeah. Y'all been going through Seinfeld and Three's Company? Yeah. We don't like anything that came out before yeah. 1999. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or after 1999, I mean to say. Yeah. They're, uh, that's just on y'all. People just drive by and see that <laughs> on TV, and they're like, oh, God. And then, and then are you going to watch any up-to-date? Like, watch the local news. <laughs> y'all go to Channel 5. Yeah. And then uh, I've been watching uh, Entourage. God. I rewatched Entourage. What a great show. It's great show. Is. Could yeah. not air today. Yeah. It's yeah. unreal. Yeah. The just the the jokes, obviously the jokes that I mean, it's wild, dude. Yeah. And it's 2006. It's not like you know what I mean when you watch if you watch like 
uh, Eddie Murphy delirious or something. You're like, yeah, well, that was 1985. This is 2006. Yeah. And then you're like, dude, <laughs> yeah. it's turned, quick. I mean, quick. Yeah. And that show, that there's no way. I mean, I would love it. I love Entourage. And uh, I've watched it. I'm rewatching it. It's just so good. Mm -hmm. I watch it every night. And there, there's so many episodes. And I'm going to go through and watch the movie again. Uh, and they do a podcast, like the Victory Podcast. And uh, I haven't listened to it, but I've, I've, I've followed it online. I see the clips of it. This is how everybody listens to this podcast, like, <laughs> same way. <laughs> That's how most, a lot of people come in. They're like, oh, we want, the podcast is great. Yeah. Never heard a full episode <laughs> in their life. Yeah. <laughs> so all you folks that are listening to these whole episodes, we love you the most. Right. Always remember that. And the other guys, we love them too. But they, but they're, uh, I, you listen to that, the Victory podcast about that. And they're, uh, I think they were talking about like, could there be another one? It's like you would just have to. It'd be much different. It'd be much different. Yeah. It'd be tough. I mean, like you know, them talking about girls and like, I mean, yeah. all. I mean, it's wild, dude. Mm -hmm. Queso, uh, queso scoreboard. Queso, 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 queso. <laughs> I bet it's queso because it's a name. Queso scoreboard. You think that's their name? I've. <laughs> que, huh. It's it's spelled queso. Scoreboard exactly. is. You think score, Hispanic. scoreboard's the last name? Queso scoreboard. <laughs> Yeah, why are you questioning that, Aaron? Yeah, that's clearly a real name. Uh, my bad. I have a friend who played for the Washington Generals. They would play hard for ninety-five percent of the game, then give up at the end so the Globetrotters win. So I wondered that game they won. They must have just got too far ahead. Is that what we said? Yeah, like, and then they lost track of time. They lost yeah. track of time. And then yeah, they, yeah, and then it was like too much. That's pretty good though. Ninety-five percent, basically being like, yeah, we go hard until you know. As hard as they, they can go. I mean, they got to let them do like. Yeah, they don't go hard all the time because there's people pulling their pants down. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it's like Samuel's dad. Yeah. Like they go, Samuel's like, dad would love the globe. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he'd fit right in. <laughs> Jake Hammett, Bill Elliott's nickname is Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. He's from Dawsonville, <laughs> Georgia. Best nickname ever. I, yeah, that is true. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. That is a great. That's amazing. That's yep. a great nickname. Yeah. From Dawsonville, Georgia. Uh, EJ, is Aaron getting healthier? Question mark. He looks good on this episode. Maybe the gout has inspired some positive changes. <laughs> Aaron, are you well, getting. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel great. Yeah, you woke up today. Feel great. Yeah. Feel solid. Healthy. I mean. You know. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Did you get good, after man. this Thanks. weekend? What do you mean? <laughs> Eating wise, or no, anything. Crazy? No, it's pretty good, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've lost a little bit of weight. Yeah, uh, I don't think the gout had anything to do with it. But <laughs> let me tell you, if, that, if the gout comes back, yeah, that'll kick it into a different gear. <laughs> yeah, maybe the gout's helped you. You can't get to the refrigerator as often as you might <laughs> want to because it's uh, <laughs> you know limp on over there. <laughs> yeah, Michael Huke, Hauk, Michael Hauk, Huke. Congrats to Body Wash on more people hearing his nose than his stand-up. <laughs> body Wash is a good one. Body Wash is good. Body Wash is a really good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. That's a just a funny roast. Yeah, yeah, that's a funny roast. More people know about your nose than your stand-up. Uh, Willard Garrett. Hello, folks. I'm from Auburn, Alabama, right next to Dusty's hometown of Opelika. What did he say? Opelika. Opelika. Yeah. Hometown of Opelika, there was a kid named Tristan Pittman who was by far the best athlete of our age. He would dominate every year playing running back. Our last year playing, Tristan hit a growth spurt 
and became even more physically dominant. Unfortunately, Tristan was over the weight limit because he was so much taller and stronger than the average kids his age. Instead of dropping weight to carry the ball, Tristan decided Tristan's coach decided to play him at offensive line and run a fumble ruski every play. <laughs> the quarterback would, would set the ball on the ground, and the right guard, Tristan Pittman, would pick the ball up and run for a touchdown every single play. Tristan Pittman is the single reason that fumble ruskies are now banned from Auburn Rec League in football. Wow. wow. I mean, that's, that's good coaching right there. Yeah. You, know? you yeah. just figure, I got to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you want me to cut weight? He goes, no, I think I got a better way. Mm-hmm. And then just drop the ball on the ground yeah. and grab it. We used to run a play called the Auburn Special. It was when I was real young playing football, where we'd put the running back at left guard and just hand it and do a reverse to the left guard. Yeah. Like the most illegal play of all time. Yeah. Um, but it would happen so fast, I don't think we ever got caught. Yeah, but you just you can just cheat like that when you're when you're that when you're that young. So you would hike the ball and what? Give it to what? The left guard. Yeah, just hand it off to the yeah. left guard. Oh, just like you would never go through your legs. Quarterback would take it, just hand oh. it to the left guard right there, and then he would run. Yeah, which you're not allowed to do. Yeah, uh, but you never got called out. Never got caught because you never think that you're handing it off to the lineman. You know, yeah. I know, but it's never. Happened. Do they not see the end result when the lineman? But it's the running back who has the ball. The running back and the left guard switch positions for that play. So we huddle up, oh. and then the left guard would be in the backfield, yeah, and the running back would be on the line. You just I never mean, think to look for that. Was the ref on the phone during this? Like, <laughs> Still I seems mean, like you catch that. I don't know how. When you're six and seven and eight, like there's not yeah. much of a physical difference between those kids, yeah. You know, so it's not like you notice a huge fat guy in the backfield. They're just I mean, two the kids. other the other team the other team's got to be like. I swear to you. Like some guy sounds like a crazy person. You go, I swear to you, that ball's not the guy on the line has the ball. Yeah. It seems like the coach of the other team would call it out. Yeah. And yeah. be like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, that might not be. Is it illegal? It's a hundred percent illegal. Yeah. The, yeah. I remember the coach being like, you know, if if we get caught, we get caught, but let's just keep doing it. And y'all did it just because oh, it was and, yeah. what, and he would score. You get a big a big game. Yeah. Because yeah, you just never think to Look, that's where the you know yeah. that's mm-hmm. where it's coming from, man. You have you ever seen those plays like where you do like uh, the quarterback will go, oh, I have the wrong ball. You can do all these trick yeah, plays yeah, yeah. and then just mm-hmm. well, up. they have like some where people act like they're running off, yeah, yeah like that. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. all that's just gamesmanship. I think. I think yeah. that should be encouraged. Well, I mean, literally cheating, giving the ball to the. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah, like, that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, that that could be different, but. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like the fumble ruski is, I guess, game and chip. You know, the guy's yeah. like playing within the rules. Right. And so then they just ban the fumble ruski. <laughs> Chandler Starks, you guys talking about the meteorite that hit the lady reminds me of a time when my dad had what he thought was a meteorite crash through the roof of his office. He bragged about it and was in the paper and even the local news station with what everyone called the Starks Rock. Just to find out, it was a piece of metal from the mulch company down the street that broke <laughs> off of a machine and shot up in the air. <laughs> the Starks Rock. I don't understand how they could mistake a piece of metal for a rock from outer space. You know, I think you just probably not a lot going on in the news there, and they're just excited to be like, you tell them anything, they're like, yeah, this is great, dude. Like, uh, something's happening, you know? That's great. Ian Renfro. 
I saw you in a big theater last year, but now I could not even be more excited to see you perform in Appleton, Wisconsin at a smaller club. Just praying you don't bring Goutfoot or Ned Schneebly as an opener. <laughs> I love them both. However, I feel like they're unique comedy brands of awkwardly interacting with guests and audibly breathing into microphones is better suited for a podcast. <laughs> Uh, Aaron and I, we're starting our own tour, the <laughs> breakfast and dinner. Oh, yeah. Tour. That's pretty good. Breakfast in the gout? How about that? Breakfast in the gout. You should just gout. call it the brunch tour. Oh. Lump it up. Well, yeah. breakfast, oh, breakfast in the gout. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. That's a good tour. Yeah. I love that they just think that's our whole act, <laughs> is me just walking around, hey, how are you, trying to fist bump people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how did that fist bump come off? People like that? No. No. I do not. Uh, they, I don't, were, they were not fans. Yeah. They go, what is Aaron's? Yeah. Got a close-up. We got I, slow motion of it. Yeah. We should get we get some nice slow motion of just- I'll do a slow-mo cut of it. Dusty yeah. not realizing it's happened because he's <laughs> about to have surgery at that point. Like he's, you know, he's got other stuff on his mind. Yeah. Uh, as, as everybody knows, I, uh, so, uh, you know, I talked about quitting diet, diet soda last week. I, I'll be honest with you, I've had only one. It's not bad. I had that is good for quitting. I had one the night of my special, which the day I was supposed to quit, I did good all day. And then uh, that night, like Laura had to go to her, Laura, Laura and Harper went to uh, their uh, a family thing. And I was like, I had to do still some more stuff. So I actually was just stayed home alone, which I tell you what, when you're, when you've been married and stuff and you're not doing anything, like if someone's like, you know, cause some people are like, you got to watch your special alone. Hey, I didn't watch it. But you know, it's like you're not your special. You're just alone, and as a as a husband and a father, you're like the greatest night of my life. It's the best <laughs> gift I could be given. Yeah, yeah, it's just like to be like you just get to be alone. Like I mean, you feel it is like your parents going out of town. Mm -hmm. You're just like I mean, I'm upstairs. You know, like it's Kramer when Jerry leaves <laughs> yeah. and he's like doing all the different stuff. I like play video games for a little bit. I'm watching shows. I'm like doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, uh, but I had I went and uh, got Sonic. <laughs> it had about the biggest diet coke you could have. <laughs> they have great ice, and uh, had a, a sonic blast. Mm -hmm. But that was the only one. That was the only one. So you basically just started the day after your special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel uh, like your special coming out. That's a special occasion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I, can have well, a I celebrate, diet coke. I celebrated with a diet coke. Yeah. yeah. And so since then, I've not. I've had a lot of unsweet tea, which I wasn't. You know. Which my the guy I talked to today, he was like, still not great, but it's like <laughs> I was like, I was like, come on, man, we can't, you know, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, I tell you what, it's helped with. I've felt bloated, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not even not that I'm eating great. I'm eat, it made it has made me eat better because I don't I haven't got fast food because it's like you just once you take soda out of the equation, like soda's yeah. like soda's like my trigger to I want all this stuff. You know, pizza. I think you know we had pizza this weekend. I didn't eat it. Because uh, I just didn't really want it. Like, yeah, I'm not having a Diet Coke, uh, but I, I drink a lot of unsweet tea, yeah. which I don't mind. Yeah. So we got a few people I want to read out. Some of you guys sent some stuff in that you want to uh, stop. And so one was Derek Visor saying, his was just saying, I don't want to go to work. He doesn't want to say that anymore. Because he has a six-year-old son and he wants to teach him that uh, work's important and create a work yeah. ethic. So if he hears his dad complain about work, yeah. then maybe he won't want to work. Yeah. Mm. Also, would help if he just remembered to pick his son up yeah. from school. <laughs> He's got bigger issues. Maybe he should work on that. Maybe that should be one of the things, you know, to remember to pick his kid up. Uh, Heather Esposito, Sriracha Veggie Straws. 
I don't even know what that is. Yeah, mm. it sounds healthy. It's like but maybe it's it not bad. Sriracha veggie straws. Yeah, maybe she's too healthy. Yeah. And she's like, I need to get some more bad food in my life. Yeah. But maybe they're bad. I don't know if they're good or bad. Boy, that's a tough word to spell. Sriracha? Yeah. Sriracha veggie straws. One too many R's straws. in there. Uh, see if they're good. Maybe they're not good. Oh, oh. I've seen these things yeah. before. Yeah. It's, it's a probably fun like snack. Yeah, it's probably like everything. It's probably a, a very fun snack that you you assume is healthy. And then yeah, I think Harper eats stuff like this. Like mm-hmm. it's like veggie straws. It's like but I bet it's like you think it's healthy and then it's like it's not. And yeah. then you get really into it and you're yeah. like, I gotta get off this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh Sarah Ireland, salty snack food, and Nate Knight beer for three months. So I hope you already started, Nate. So we got more uh, on here. We'll keep checking in with you guys to see how you guys are doing. Uh, so make sure. I've only had one. Heather, you better have only had one. I'll give you one bag of veggie straws. You better <laughs> not have gone crazy, <laughs> you know. Uh, Derek, your kid, he's at school. He's just, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, oh, let me get into this. Uh, so as you know, like I just said, I uh, last podcast, I, I have cut out. Diet Pepsi, all diet, all sodas, and I've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, and unhealthy food, and realized that basically uh, you just can't eat anything anymore. You really can't. I do want to eat better, but one thing, something I can't eat is Magic Spoon. It tastes great. It's an easy choice first thing in the morning. I do. You realize like eating healthy is. Uh, I, 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 I feel tired a lot. I have like you know. Uh, I talked a little bit. I remember talking to Rogan about it, where he's talking about just mentally thinking about food when you think about it like you know you see something like a donut and you're like man i could eat that and it'd be so good mm-hmm. but it's like choosing not to eat it where my head i think well i can eat that donut but i do that all day and you're like no you can't even i mean once you hit your 40s it's much much different you get gout at your age it's much different <laughs> zero grams of sugar 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs only 1,400 calories a serving. It's uh, Magic Spoon's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. I mean, it's everything that you want it to be. Magic Spoon is releasing two amazing new flavors this month for a limited time only. They're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. Maple waffle. And uh, if that isn't the most comforting indulgent combination, then I don't know what is. This is the ultimate treat-yourself combo. It really is a great way to start your day. You just get to eat. It's like you knock breakfast out of the way. Breakfast is not a problem. Breakfast is only a problem here. It's not a problem at your house. <laughs> and that's what it's about. Their flavors are great. You can mix cocoa and peanut butter. It tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. Go to magicspoon.com slash Nate to grab the new limited edition cookies and cream maple waffle or a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Nate at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Nate and use the code Nate to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, All right, we have a guest this week, uh, we we are going in. Uh, I'm at uh, where were we? Huntsville, 
Huntsville this weekend, and then now we're going. Are we last weekend? We're going to Appleton, Wisconsin. So uh, I'm bringing my buddy from New York City, uh, who's been on the uh, road with me these two weeks, staying with me, sleeping on his Helix mattress. You know who's going to be happy about that? Ian Renfrew when he finds out. It's not Aaron and I coming to Appleton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian, lucky for you, it is this young man right here, so I hope you like him. Uh, Gary Veter. Oh, yeah. Or I used to call him Gary Vider. V-I-D-E-R, Gary Veter. Me and Gary started together. Or I'm, 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 I always say that, and you're like, all right, dude, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, we're not the same age, all right? <laughs> Even though we look like it, because uh, he <laughs> shaves his head. Uh, no, but me and Gary, uh, I mean, we've been friends for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that? Yeah. When did we meet? Maybe, uh, yeah. I'll put it at like 10 years. No way. I've been dude. doing comedy. 13 years. No, no, maybe, yeah, maybe 13 years. I've been doing years. it 18 years. So 13 years. When I first started, I met you. You first started. Yeah. You were out the gate. Yeah. 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 Gate. yeah. Yeah. I met you. I met you actually six months into doing comedy yeah. at a show I hosted and uh, watched you and I was, uh, you know, big fan. And then yeah. I asked, I was like, oh, I wanted to learn, you know, uh, more about like, it's like, how do you come up with jokes? I had no idea what, you know, how to do comedy whatsoever. Yeah. And you're like, come along. And then ever since, I've just been following you around. Yeah, you've been here since <laughs> yeah, then. Exactly. Never got rid of him. Tried multiple times. <laughs> I go, Gary, no. Walk away. Uh, no, yeah. Well, Gary, then everybody's best friends with Gary now. He's, we're all, we're all, you know, like, it was like you just kind of get people in your group. And oh, yeah. uh, and he was, Gary was very, very funny. And so we, I remember seeing Gary and we talking. And then, yeah, we just run around to clubs. And uh which is my always my it's good to have people run around with you. it's good to be you're talking about comedy the whole time it's good to, i always think that's such a important thing to help you out and help me out and then you know you're just sitting there you get a I don't know when you're explaining how to write comedy cuz you're like I don't know dude I don't know how to write comedy I mean I'm writing this act now and you're like it's I don't know how to come up with this stuff like yeah. there's not it's hard to find a like you can't just like a when you write new jokes, it's not like there's a faucet that you're like you turn it on. Right. You feel after every special, you will never be able to write anything ever again. And then even though I have new stuff now, I'm still you're like I don't there's no I don't know how I came up with this stuff. You're it's just happens. Yeah. Over know? the weekend, we were just talking. I mean, talking back and forth about comedy and just like you know things that you know, but it's good to like hear again. Like just transitions of jokes, how to get to one joke to the other, just seamlessly. And just hearing that again, it's like, all right, yeah, just focusing on little aspects of comedy by just talking about it, even though you know it, it's good to hear again. Yeah. It helps. Yeah, it's good. We talked a lot about this, about, you know, I'm a big transition. Like, so it's like stuff leading, making stuff lead into the next things you're going to talk about. And I cannot have it. And I can, that's the jokes that I have trouble with, the jokes that I have trouble when I don't lead into the joke very easily. Uh, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you got to find a way to do it. Sometimes it's natural and sometimes you got to somehow, you know, mess with it a little bit to, so I can get into it. So you don't feel like you're just, you know, I'm talking about, you know, diet soda. And then I, you know, I'm like, so then I was on, I was swinging on a play set one day. Like, you yeah. know, it's it just out of nowhere. You would try to make those things. You think sometimes a hard cut like that can be funny though. If it's I don't want to use it. If they're used sparingly. I, but like, I don't, I don't want, the, I don't want to laugh for that. I don't want to yeah. laugh because of that. Cause that to me feels like a trick. Yeah. So like I, yes, it is funny, and yeah. people have done that, and comics have done it, and so I don't think I should have to rely on a laugh for that reason. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying I don't ever do anything. Like 
you know, if a joke doesn't work, it's very easy to be like, well, that one was terrible. Like, and that gets a laugh. Mm. That's, and that's yeah. kind of looked at as like, as a trick. I'm not saying I don't do that as a, like, I would say that on stage. Cause when you're up there, you're like, all bets are off, dude. This yeah. joke didn't work. So you, yeah. I, 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 there's, there's stuff you do that's like, but I don't want to ever do anything that's going to, uh, would translate to the final product. So I would, if I did it, it's like, you don't want to rely on that. Cause then I, I just think you rely on it. Then that, that sticks in your act. Like you can tell when someone, uh, you know, sometimes has something and they, they, they keep it, they like keep it in their act and you can tell that that happened one time mm -hmm. oh, and they act like, all right, someone in the back, I know y'all, someone back there just got mad at me for saying, you're like, well, no one got mad, but <laughs> one person did one time and you came up with a funny thing. Yeah. So it's like either figure a way to not like act like it's, you know, like spontaneous. Yeah. Like spontaneous when it wasn't. Well, they would do a thing. I mean, comics do this all the time and I, I hate it, but it would be, uh, how's that for a transition? You yeah. know, like yeah. when it's that yeah. and that's their cut and that's what they keep in instead of just finding a way to piece it together. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It, you get a laugh mm -hmm. off that easy kind of thing and it's, it's okay to get a laugh off that, but it's like the final product I think should be, it's just, you know, eventually going to a special. So it should, you should be able to get out of it and I should be able to find, I remember doing one tonight show, a transition. I should be able to, I remember trying to find our one tonight show, uh, I was like transitioning from one joke to the other, and the guy was like, I just don't see how those are jokes are going to go together. I forget, man. I, I can't remember the, the joke. Uh, but I remember just telling him, I was like, oh, we're, it'll be all right. I'll figure it out. And then you, I had to did yeah. without having to. It's like, it's, I don't know. That's what's, that's what comedy is. It's like that. Like, how do you make these two things go together? How do I make them seem like they go together when they don't, you know, without being, you know, without saying, you know, yeah, I think late obvious. night sets help that a ton because they're they're five minutes of jokes that maybe you weren't putting in that order until that late night set, yeah. and then you're just connecting the dots, and you you didn't even think that it could connect that way, and then you know you've done a lot of them, so you've you've experienced where yeah, I'll find a way because yeah, you could connect anything somehow by just somehow you, know, you just start thinking about it. I think the hardest thing is just starting a set. Like what do I, I don't even know what to say to people. Like even you know walking into a room, it's hard. That's hard enough. But like then walking in front of an audience, just saying something that's like interesting right off the top. Yeah, I just feel they're looking at me like, oh, this guy. It's yeah, not, this guy's not good. <laughs> this guy's gonna be a mess. This is, this is not my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's always that's always very very hard. I mean, that's where I you know I started like all right. It's like I always like all right. Here we go. We're just doing it. Like you do come up with you just figure out whatever your kind of thing is that's. You're just trying to get into the into the set, but like this weekend, the Eagles story we've talked about Eagles on here, where that joke came. It's talking about one joke that I've brought over from. Not everything's from. It has been good. Like I haven't I have a ton of podcast stuff into the act, but I started talking about an eagle, which we talked about on this, and like that was a tough one to get into. But I think I figured a way to do it because it was like it's an eagle. Like I don't, you know, what what do I have? What story do I have? that involves you know an eagle like how do you get into an eagle story it's like a weird or eagle joke but you just you've there's the there's always a way you yeah. can make an argument that if everything transitions too easy you're probably not branching out enough different types of jokes yeah that's true like if it goes if it flows too much i mean you I, you like to everything to flow with like you know i go you know daughters you know and the special was uh you know like daughter stuff into 
my parents mm-hmm. into the wife stuff. And like, it's like, so all that's put into like, so you're just making it all kind of go together. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it, I think it makes it easier for the audience to uh, relax. Like it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of, they're like watching and you're just, you know, they can just kind of go with the flow and it doesn't feel like it's jumping around and all this kind of stuff. And you're just, you know, and, and, and they, it, it makes it harder for them to tell where the jokes are at. Mm-hmm. Like that you're trying to hide them, mm-hmm. you know, our com- all comedy is, is, uh, just mixed in. You know what's funny is I've had people too, and it's just been a couple comments. But like I know people are like, you know, they always say like, sounds like this guy's in a bad marriage, and I that stuff I hate more than anything. Like, what do you, you know, like? And I actually might say this on stage. It was your wife. You said it was it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is it L Bargetsy? I don't know. Uh, L B, uh, Larbar. Anybody? I don't know who this person was. Uh, but they uh. I, I and I think I want to I do want to address it on stage like or maybe even the next special because I know some people just will hear that's the next special, but that's always so frustrating mm-hmm. to me to be like what what do you think you know I mean you guys here know Laura you've seen Laura we've talked to her I have a wonderful family I love yeah. her more than anything I've been with her since I was twenty one. But like, do you want me to go up and just talk about how it's going great? Yeah. Is that what you people think? People want to see that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you think that's what people want? Like, they're yeah. just going like, well, tell us. And you got to, I don't know when you tell a joke about your wife, you do have to, you don't want it to come in a hateful place. Uh, and uh, in the special, there's one thing that I said that I I kind of wanted, I wish I wouldn't have. I was talking about us not fighting with our daughter and neither one of We're only talking through Harper to through each other and i did like that was like a little kind of tag that's straight up just trying to be funny and trying to say stuff and that was the only thing i kind of was like i wish i would have probably taken that out just because that's the only thing that kind of seems very mean like i'm kind of because we're fighting and obviously in front of harper yeah. uh where it's like that's not what's happening and that's the only thing that i was kind of like you know i, I would have probably taken out just to be like i don't need that i don't want that to come off like that you know, like you know, like we're just always fighting in front of her, mm-hmm. but we don't. No, we're not always fighting. Like it, it would be impossible to fight. Mm-hmm. If you look at the fights I've talked about, we've been together for twenty years. Yeah. This is the I'm, t- I'm basically talking about all of the fights. So like <laughs> what, twelve of them, yeah. fifteen of them, like yeah. they're. But that's what's funny. Just when you need a new hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get <laughs> it. Yeah. I rile it up. You start picking them. Yeah. I start coming. Yeah. I go, oh, yeah, the podcast. I go, what happened to the waters up there today? I just try to get something going. I go, mine was a little too warm. And, uh, but yeah, like people like that's, you know, it's like, you know, and that's, that's not, I always think that's a comment like that is like someone that's not, they don't know who I am and they don't, you know, it's like, they don't know comedy yet. They don't know comedy yeah. yet. But it's like, yeah, are the ways to say this sometimes on the podcast? They'd be like, you guys are you're just too mean. You're like, comedy is mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say that in the special, like, it's uh, the mean speech. It's like if you know one, if it's out of context, it sounds like a mean speech. Comedy is is mean. Everything's yeah. mean. Yeah. There's not a joke on earth that's right. That's nice. Is there one that's like? I mean, something's got to be either I'm dumb, yeah. they're dumb, you're dumb, you're wrong, I'm right. So, like that's yeah. the only way you even. Otherwise, there is no com- comedy. Comedy mm-hmm. doesn't exist. It's just puns after that. I yeah, guess. after that. Yeah, that's it, pretty much it. Yeah, it would have to be, you know, you ever see tree? You have to make fun of like something that doesn't have, and then people would be like, you can't make fun of trees. They'd <laughs> get mad about that. Roasted trees? 
Oh, you're seeing an oak tree, the attitude of an oak tree. You know, you get out of here. This pine tree comes up, and he's like, I'm everywhere. And you're like, you're not everywhere, dude. You know, he's more noticeable. Uh, so uh, anyway, so yes. So uh, this week, so me, yeah, me and Gary. Gary's been on a ton of stuff, you can see. Uh, uh, he's on America's Got Talent. Yep. Finalist. Made it top 10 finalist. Yeah, a finalist. Yeah. yeah. And a wild ride. Wild ride. It was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Howard Stern talked about you. Yeah, that was the that was the coolest part about it. it was uh, he was there? Now he's not there. Left the show after I was yeah same season. But and, you got uh, you. That was the best one that you got at least with him on. Yeah, he was the coolest one. Yeah, yeah. out of anybody. I mean, you. I mean, obviously. I, I mean, I grew up listening to him, and then he. Uh, you know, he looks at comedy like a comic. Yeah. You know, he didn't do stand up, but he he, he loves it. Yeah, he, and he loves comedians. Appreciates a, a good written joke. And that's what I was looking for. So, you know, if he would have said something bad, that would have just, you know, broken my heart. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the thing is like, I'm, you know, I'm sure you experienced it. You meet somebody and I n- never expected to meet him, but uh, the fact that uh, just hoping that he would like me when I got to meet him yeah. was the best thing. Otherwise it just would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever really talk to him or is it just like kind of on a stage? little bit? Yeah. A little bit backstage, but they kind yeah. of just usher the judges like in and out yeah. and they're in a bubble. Yeah. And uh, that was before COVID. It's like yeah. they knew. They knew. <laughs> yeah. They did. Yeah. But if you saw him today, he'd probably, he'd rem- I think he'd remember you. Yeah, yeah. I think he would. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, yeah. He, uh, he liked comedy. Yeah. So he was, uh, I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like after doing that show, getting his, uh, you know, approval was the coolest part. The other ones, it's like, you know, Heidi Klum was a person who would, she would criticize my act after. And it's like, English isn't even your first language. Yeah. So yeah. I could, uh, you're not getting my humor. Yeah, it makes sense. This, this yeah. isn't what you know. You yeah. don't know this. Yeah. Did uh, I wore so, high heels on my last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did so like the whole process. If people don't know about like doing a show like that, uh, so you auditioned. Uh, yeah. For where'd you audition at? New Gotham? Jersey Performing yeah. Arts Center. Yeah. And it was it's you and you know what uh, I would say that day maybe like a thousand people but then they have it going on for like a week straight yeah so you're one of those people and you that i i was able to skip i sent in a tape and they were like you're gonna be able to go in front of the judges right off the bat so i was lucky enough to go there at well you're t- someone with talent like you're with i already did conan you already did conan so that, that so yeah, yeah yes yes they want if that's what people don't, like i don't i mean it's, it wasn't like a blind like submission, yes. which is and, and people can uh, get farther that way because they do have producers look at your tapes uh, at, at least on that show. Mm-hmm. So, but in this case, I sent it to a producer uh, that reached out to me because I guess they saw my Conan, and then from there, I was able to just jump the initial process. Which I think the initial process is you go into a room and then you just if I was if you're a comic, you just do your set in front of like one person yeah. in front of a tape, which is obviously super hard and not hearing laughs for anybody involved, anybody picking the talent. Be it's a, it's brutal. almost impossible. Yeah. To, you, to get would you picked. have probably not done it then, right? Yeah, I wouldn't have done you that. Done it, yeah. yeah. It's I mean you're, it was like they asked you, it's you a waste said, of time. At that tape. point, yeah. yeah, to me it's like a waste yeah. of time. So then I did the the uh, show at the New Jersey Perform, uh, Performing Arts Center and you're in front of the four judges and this was a it was it was a bad setup because it was at like 2 p.m. on like a Monday. And they had in New Jersey Performing Arts Center, I think it seats like 3,000. And this probably had maybe like 250 people mm. in there. And, you know, it got laughs. And, you know, I guess they had the audience mic, so it sounded well. But when you're up on stage, it's like you're not hearing, you know, a crazy amount of laughter. But the judges gave me, you know, all check marks. And then I was able to move on to, to the next level 
which was just, uh, it was like four rounds of stuff, like or five rounds of stuff until you get to the finals. And uh, the next round was like a, uh, like only, I think like four people make it and I was able to go from there. And then from there, the live shows, which are at Radio City. Yeah, and that yeah. was like on TV. Like, yes. what, what's the first time you get on TV? At the, the first audition? Yeah, the first audition, yeah, yeah. The first audition. So you, and that one's a, a big one because a lot of people tune in and they could see, you know, they, uh, they put a whole like montage together of you and then, you know, all the different like crazy acts that they have. And yeah. it's a good way to like gain, gain fans and get people on your side and hope for, hope that you're going to advance from there. Yeah. So I did that and then, yeah, went uh, from there. Did There's another audition that was in Long Island. Or not an audition, but uh, another taping in Long Island. That that went on air, but that wasn't live. And then the next ones were all live to tape at Radio City, which, and that's the craziest, you know, experience of just a live shot that's on NBC, 8 p.m. And it's and you're at Radio City Music Hall. And I'm already in front of 6,000 people, which is the most amount of people I've performed in front of. But on top of that, it's live. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're, it's just like an outer body yeah. experience of like I, you rehearse your set nonstop. And uh, it's only, you know, it was like two and a half minutes that you're doing, but you're you're hoping you don't flub anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the amount of pressure is wild. Yeah. And nobody thought like I would get that. Like, you know, I, I remember I was telling my wife, uh, we're, I'm like, I'm doing the audition. She's like, oh, good. Like, yeah. not, you're still doing comedy. She didn't even know yeah, I was still doing yeah. comedy. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. going out. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then. And then I'm like, oh, I advanced. She's like, oh, good, you know, yeah. like that. Like, and then from there, it's this. I'm doing a live show, and then advance from the quarterfinals to the semifinals. And this, it was the craziest part was, and you know, this is that uh, because you're at my wedding in my wedding party. The I, from the semifinals, I it was my wedding was in between the semifinals yeah. and the finals. Yeah. And I didn't tell them at all that I was getting married because they follow you around with cameras and everything. So I was like. I'm a, I am live with a roommate. I didn't even tell my I had a wife. And it just happened to fall in between my wedding. And I had to tell them that I needed time off uh, from like doing all like their random shoots during the day because they always put like together like a whole package right before your your performance. And I had to tell them that I, I couldn't do any of that stuff until like, like a, you know, the day before the finals because I was getting married. And they were like, you thought you have like a roommate. Yeah. We didn't even know you were straight. Yeah, yeah. well, it's gotten <laughs> yeah. pretty serious between me and that roommate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. They thought you were gay and yeah. you gotta, you're like, whoa, this is, okay, wow, that's a lot to take in. It's a curveball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was your backstory. You're, you could finally get out of this yeah. one little tiny apartment with your roommate. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, you know, I did that and, you know, I think they were they were so pissed that I didn't tell them. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, my wife just wanted to have a normal wedding without, yeah. you know, they would have wanted cameras there. I mean, I probably would have won America's Got Talent now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, yeah, well, you, you would have you told us no today when we asked you to come here <laughs> yeah. like nah I life can't. would be much M different. much different if <laughs> yeah. you yeah gave that i mean well so many people go in there just focused on that backstory yeah like that they like that's a way that an angle that people do is like, i got this crazy backstory i'm going to really let them know that i have all this kind of crazy stuff but you didn't do that yeah i tried I giving mean, you, myself cancer and everything yeah you, know, you just, did everything else yeah. <laughs> you're like my dad's a firefighter and uh <laughs> And they're like, oh, man, he died on 9-11. You're like, no, it's July 5th. It was like 1984. You're like, oh, is that just a normal? And you go, yeah, yeah. He was old. Like, yeah. it's not even from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They really get into strong, it. Yeah. You're like, it was like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, that was just crazy, to that whole experience. And I remember, I mean, I, so the semifinals to the final, the finals will end up being two days after uh, my wedding. 
But the semifinals, it came down to like I was a final selection where it was right before the show is about to end, like the last minute of the show. And it's either between me and this like uh, like illusionist group or whatever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they have like the spotlights and they, they, they voted. And it's like, it's so close. We're going to have to go to, you know, a audience vote online. And I'm like, oh, my God, because it's like such a letdown <laughs> yeah. if you don't get it. And then you're the loser at your own wedding. Yeah. And uh, I wound up getting it got to the finals, which was my goal the whole time. My whole goal was to get to the finals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, change my career somewhat. Yeah. somewhat. And then, uh, you know, it was able to do it. And, you know, it was a you know, wedding was great. And I was then I lost in the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You told him you got married. Yeah, there. Yeah, Lewis would have still given that speech. The, oh, yeah. the speech that Lewis J Gomez gave at Gary's wedding. Yeah, I had it on video. It yeah. was. I have it on video because yeah. I mean the wedding. Yeah, we had a videographer, so I could. I could. I'm gonna get that speech so we could play it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to play it on. Oh yeah. Uh, Podcast. <laughs> you guys are. Whole, you guys are gonna buy it. option the rights. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's. It was like such a. It was. Yeah. He George Costanza cursing at the. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was like the cursing. It was a very comic pro comic speech. Yeah. I mean, there's not appropriate for. Yeah, there's probably twenty comics at the wedding. It was yeah. like a decent sized wedding, maybe like 150, 170 people yeah, or whatever. About two, two hundred. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I did. I, I thought I was gonna sell out, yeah. but it didn't, yeah, didn't it work did out that way. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, a. but Lewis made the speech and it had nothing to do with like, you know, marriage or anything. It was just directly toward, you know, to me <laughs> and to the comics. Yeah. And then that, you know, that was it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Why did he even give a speech? Was he your? He was my, you know, yeah. best man. He was the best Yeah, man. we were friends at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You haven't talked to him since? Yeah, I haven't seen him. Uh, Lewis was your best man? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was so in there. I was a Grimsman. Yeah. You, Soder. Me, Soder. Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. Dave Smith. Yeah. And yeah, I remember coming to New York to visit you like 10 years ago and you were, I felt like fairly new, but you were, y'all were doing shows at Eastville that weekend and Soda was there and we all hung out. You were so funny and I felt like you were very new, but you're already just killing, I thought. And then I come back right after you finish America's Got Talent. Now the younger comics are, comics are following you around and you're kind of the vet going from spot to spot. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely do a ton of spots. I mean, in New York now, there's not a lot going on, but yeah, it's nice that uh, you know, it's weird when you hear somebody be like, oh, I, I, you know, hear you on a podcast. I like watch your material when you're like, wow, yeah, I've been doing it 13 years, but yeah, I remember meeting you and everything was, mm -hmm. you know, it's cool. And I remember, you know, Nate talking about, yeah. So it's, it's so weird when I, you, you know, you look at like a, a comedian tree kind of like, I was thinking of this, of just like all your friends. It's like, everybody's from all over, like yeah. funny comes from all over, but then somehow we like, we're able to like mesh together. And when you're in high school, you're like, it always felt like I was like, yeah, I mean, there are other funny people, but nobody who wanted to pursue comedy. And then when you get into the comedy world, you see all these people doing comedy. You're like, oh, I found, you know, my like group. And it's it's such a, you know, interesting thing. And it's like it the coaching, like a coaching tree. Yeah, yeah, coaching. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's everybody always has like, I'm you're you're more like I was examined New York guy, like my closest friends and people that I was with coming up the most was New York. Yep. So it's like the New York guys. So like you, those were the the guys you and Soder and List and Norman, Jay, Metzger, you know, a million of them. Like, uh, it's like the Bill Parcells coaching tree. Everything comes. Yeah, everything kind of comes to yeah. theirs. Like, and then you come from Patrice, Burr, mm -hmm. David Tell, yeah. you know, you're seeing all that. Like, yeah, it's like you come from that side versus LA is a lot of Rogan, you know, or Dane Cook was like a big one out there, uh, even though he's from Boston. So, so did they, America's Like Talent, did they, did they ever say that you were just got married? Did, no, they never no. said it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't part. Yeah, it didn't. 
I mean, after that, they were like, they would have been like, we would have filmed that wedding. Yeah, they would have loved it. Yeah, they would have loved that to do that. But yeah, you know, my wife, she was so happy that you know to have that, that I was able to have that success on the show. But at the same time, she like you know like she thinks about that wedding. She wants that wedding to be special. Yeah, you know, and and have it and. People, so many people were like coming up and like so happy that I was on the show, and I didn't ever want her to feel like she was getting like anything taken away. Yeah, I mean, I wore a white dress as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey. but besides like that, that yeah. she's cool with it. Uh, so uh, this week, uh, what we wanted to talk about is a uh, uh, con artist. Yep, con artist, yep. and kind of what made us uh, think of this. And some people might know this story. You uh, did a thing in Sports Illustrated. Yep. Uh, ironically enough, but you uh, have some con stories. Some good yeah. con stories. Some good con stories. Yeah, totally. I mean, my con stories all involve sports. And then the uh, the article in Sports Illustrated that I wrote it was back when it was all surrounded around like the uh, the Last Dance when Michael Jordan uh, came out. When they, came I out think back. we all, yeah, because we all, yeah. And once you hear all the story about it, I think we were all calling you and texting you, being like, "Dude, like this is yeah." You know, it's like this is the time. It was, yeah, it was wild. So I yeah, I, I released these pictures that I had where there were all these pictures where my mom took uh, had these pictures in a box. So I never shared them with anybody until uh, the last dance came, and I mm. just made it, I first made an Instagram post, and then I sent them into Sports Illustrated for kids once once they found out about the story. But between the years of uh, starting in like ninety two, ninety like ninety three, like that like NBA, uh, NHL season, my dad and I started going to Madison Square Garden and we'd go. And this was his idea initially because I was uh, a subscriber to Sports Illustrated for Kids. Uh, he would say that I was a writer for Sports Illustrated for Kids and he was my <laughs> photographer. Yeah. He wouldn't even go as my father. Yeah, And my dad was a con man in everyday life, but this was just like, to him, you know, just a fun, you know, con that he could do with his son. I love sports. He loved lying. We go, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was his thing. Like yeah. that was, you know, we yeah. love comedy. He loves lying. Like, He's like, yeah. do you care? You asked him, do you care about the game? He's like, I care about getting in the game. That's <laughs> yeah. what I love. Like, exactly. And so we would, um, he would do everything that, you know, he was supposed to. He would reach out to the, whoever was head of PR at the garden let them know that you know a reporter and a photographer for sports illustrated for kids was going to head to the game and when we would get to the, uh, the garden we'd be there for shoot around or you know for for the rangers or for the knicks and we'd have press passes waiting for us already i would either be sitting in the press box my dad or like find a seat that would be like uh, you know by the uh, the glass or by on the, like very close to the court. My dad would always be taking pictures on the court. He would would never even be sitting together. All you know, every obviously we didn't have a ticket, so everything would be free. He had to have a camera, like a real camera. He had a real camera. He looked professional. He had a vest and everything. Had like you know pockets for where we keep extra film. And my dad actually took good pictures. Mm. So it was kind of like he was living a life where like he was able to be an actual photographer, something that I'm sure he always wanted to be, but without actually having to like you know go to photography school or you know have any being you know getting a job or applying for a job yeah. at Sports Illustrated. Yeah. So. He would take these pictures. He would do everything that you know he was supposed to. He would take pictures of security guards and stuff. And then when we go back to the garden, he'd show them the pictures. So he started becoming friends, and he had a, he had this way about him that you know people were always very trusting in him. And so nobody ever doubted our story of us saying that we were sports associated for for kids because one, he's with a kid, he has pictures, so he had a lot of like backup info that made it look so legit. 
And after games, we would just go into locker rooms. I'd meet players. I'd take pictures with them, and I'd get autographs. Because they would give you credentials. It's not like you had to show up with credentials. Yeah, didn't have to show up with, with credentials. They would give them to And you. this is in the 90s, so there's no way of, of actually checking if we're yeah. with Sports Illustrated for yeah. kids. I mean, yeah, they could make a phone call, but my dad always said that people don't want to go through that work. Mm -hmm. Even, I mean, if somebody was like, oh, I don't think you could do it now. 100%. My dad would be able to do it now. There's <laughs> yeah. no way. And I'm not talking about like fake email address. It's just that certain people, you know, people don't do their jobs. They don't do their due diligence on 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 looking up like, oh, I think this guy's lying. My dad just talks a, you know, a good game. and He's confident. He's able, yeah, very confident. And obviously that's a huge part of it. Uh, and so he was able to bypass people to even have them even think that this was a scam. Yeah. And, you know, the one, the main story that I talked about in Sports Illustrated was I was at Jordan's double nickel game. Very hard ticket to get. We didn't have tickets. We went to the game. I sat fourth row. My dad sat on the court the entire game. I was basically with Bill Murray, um, Tom Brokaw, and, like, Phil Donahue. Like, that was, like, my <laughs> yeah, section, yeah, yeah. My, my boys. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> What's up, fellas? It's Tom Brokaw. Yeah. Yeah. There's a picture oh, yeah. of Gary and Tom Brokaw. Yeah. Broke and off. you and uh, uh, Brian Sawyer, yeah, and then uh, yeah, Maury Phil Donahue. Wow. That's Maury Povich. Yeah. How more? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Phil Donahue is in there, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's Phil Donahue. Yeah, yeah. So like, my, this was uh, the kind of stuff that would happen at the games where my dad would make them like basically I mean, like mug me. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. That's where a, like he was very like a comfortable hug. Right. Yeah, there. that was a. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I still talk to my therapist about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we would go to the game and my dad just made them feel comfortable of like, I was like- I like you took pictures with everybody that would do an interview with you about the story <laughs> of them taking the picture. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Well, I was like this almost like, I think they looked at me as almost like, oh, it's like a kind of like little journalist prodigy yeah, feature. over here. And you yeah. know that this is all fake at the, even at 100, this age. 100%. Tim, you know, like my dad just making this stuff But it up. was, you know, like we, so we would go to these games and everything and I'll, and I'll definitely get into the story about the double nickel game, which is where I met them. But um the like we were doing this in just regular life you know everything that my dad could scam he would you know obviously you know people sneak into movie theaters but my dad he could afford go us going to a movie theater but to him it's like let's just sneak in you know yeah. and it's simple that way he would always a, a quick talker so he'd make friends with people you know like the guy at the pizzeria my dad owned a phone business so he could fix phone uh, fix phone lines and i'm sure he tapped phone lines too and everything <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that but he would he would do phone lines if somebody had uh, phone trouble at a pizza place, and we'd go to those pizza places and just eat for free. And yeah. my dad, I'm sure, char it still charged them, but he was just this friendly guy. Like, oh, can my son get a slice of pizza? And you know, he worked there, so at you know, uh, you know, for a little while. So uh, we would always get free slices of pizza at, at a, a local pizza place, and you know, just different ways that he would cut corners and um and and he would always that was kind of the life that he lived. Yeah. And so as far as the Jordan double nickel game goes. We were there, and and Jordan, by the way, so people that don't know exactly, this is Jordan's comeback. Is he yeah. number forty-five? Forty-five. This he's is his fifth game back at the Garden. Yeah, from his retirement. So he retired. He came back. He's wearing number forty-five. I mean, this is one of the more iconic. I mean, most everybody's going to know what this is, but some people are younger and they don't remember Jordan. And this was a very iconic game in the Garden. He's always done very well in the Garden, and this was kind of his. Ended up being kind of his "I'm back." Game. Yeah, and what's crazy about the garden back in the heyday was celebrities would be there nonstop. They would go to the Nick games. They had Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Charles Oakley. So like the Knicks were very, very good. 
and the Knicks playing the Bulls was was an incredible rivalry. So this was an extremely hard ticket to get. And this is in 1995. And out of all the years that we've been doing, we've been doing probably about like two and a half, three years at this point doing the scam. We never ran into anybody from Sports Illustrated for Kids. But at this game, the actual Sports Illustrated for Kids was there. And Sports Illustrated for Kids back then, they didn't have a kids reporter. So it was two adults. It was an adult writer and an adult photographer. You were making them more legit. I made them more legit and yeah. it's more believable. Yeah. You know, so we were there and we were at shoot around and my dad uh, found out that the actual Sports Illustrated for Kids were, were there and it didn't stop my dad. He actually made us go up to them and we got like their business cards and everything. He didn't lead on that. That's what we were posing as. He just found, you know, just had us meet, got their cards. I guess just, he always loved getting information. So getting information like, oh, this is who this is in case I see them again. But we- <laughs> Then, you know, sat where I sat in my fourth row seat. My dad sat on the floor. When By the time the game ended, we just kind of bum rushed to security so we could get into the locker room before they could get in. Because everybody wanted to go in and interview Michael Jordan after he just scored 55 points. And there was a huge line. They were behind us. We get in, and I'm, like, walking through the locker room. And before I know it, I'm getting uh, pulled into a private room that I guess my dad uh, talked to a security guard, found out that Michael Jordan was in a, a private room with just him and Phil Jackson and a couple other uh, assistant coaches. And we go into this room and I sit down and I ask Michael Jordan, uh, a I, I had three questions that I wanted to ask him. And I only remembered asking him like, what's your favorite food? Because mm -hmm. I was just so nervous, you know, meeting Michael Jordan. And we took uh, a picture and I was too scared to ask for an autograph. Biggest mistake in my yeah. life. And it's probably why my dad doesn't talk to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had feelers on. Michael Jordan was like, you know, you got to go get some Nikes. If I was now, I would have just been like, why don't you just give me some? Yeah. And then we- uh, What we, was his favorite food? His steak. Steak, okay. And yeah. uh, just like, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only question I've ever asked Nate. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, I go out in the uh, the hallway and meet Scottie Pippen. Um, I had a picture with Phil Jackson too. And then after, yeah, there's, yeah, that, there's Phil. Phil Jackson, Scotty. And after that, um, you know, I'm, I'm super happy. Got to meet him. Got that great picture with uh, Michael Jordan. We're walking out and the actual Sports Illustrated for Kids, they were still trying to get in. They yeah. still couldn't get in. <laughs> so, we, you know, we, he's able, his story, my dad's, you know, con was so good and he's such a good talker that even with actual credentials, you know, people weren't able to get in. Yeah. And he was able to, you know, put us through. And it, it all came down to, you know, him talking a good game, him being able to, you know, show legitimacy in the pictures that we were able to have over the years and uh, people knowing us at the garden. Like, people knew us there yeah. and never doubted us. Did your dad ever get caught doing anything? No, I mean, like, I mean, he had things, you know, happen. I mean, just little things that it was never, he, he would definitely be in court a lot, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but he never, he never got, um, never got caught. He always found ways where, say, if you were suing my dad, he would counter sue. And yeah. it just would, he, he knew the court system too. He would delay things where a lot of times people, you know, being in court costs a lot of money for people. So my dad, not that he, you know, had a ton of money, but he knew how to delay things and how to put things off. And when a lawyer's uh, being put off, he's still charging that client for, you know, if a lawyer calls you on the phone, he's charging you when he's talking to you. Yeah. 
So all that, uh, knowing that he's able to get out of a lot of jams that he's that he's been in, and you know he would, you know, my dad would do slip and falls, and he'd, he'd do, <laughs> yeah. you know, he you know fender benders, where yeah. he's wearing a neck brace for a while. <laughs> so this is just a common thing, and it was kind of like I was also, you know, part, you know, part of that. I'd be be in the car, and you know, he'd say, you know, you act like your neck hurts too, you know, just different <laughs> things that that he would do to, you know, get him, you know, I guess like through the year. So just, yeah. you know, money-wise. As a kid, did you love it? Like, or is it like in the moment or would you get tired of it or you? Eventually I got tired of it. But it's because I'm fun. Like, because sometimes You can't fun. tell your friends that. You could tell them, yeah. you know, now <laughs> when yeah. you're on a podcast. And you're a comedian. And, and, yeah, and yeah. You're, yeah, you're enjoying it. So your friends lives. never knew you met Jordan. They knew it because I I was I would show them pictures, yeah. but I couldn't tell them how I met Jordan. It would always come down to my dad knew somebody at the garden, yeah, something like that. So I, that that was our end to to you know show people like what we did. But I could never be like if I had any pictures that were some of the pictures I have press credentials on. Those are pictures I wouldn't show anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what uh, what's the one biggest key to being a good con man? Talking. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, it's your your backstory. You have to kind of think what they would possibly ask. Yeah, and definitely not get too crazy on details. But it was, you know, this, think of the, the scam that we did. It was, I'm a kid. My dad's a photographer. It's so simple. Once you start putting so many different layers on a scam, that's how you're going to get caught. I think so. Kind of making it definitely as simple a, as possible. Yeah. Having a kid there is enormous. Absolutely. That's a, that's enormous because no one's going to no one's really going to tell a kid no. Yeah, and I think that works for a lot of scams. That works for a lot of scams. If you, you have your have your kid there, and then uh, having a lot of answers, like you said, like him getting the business cards of those guys that y'all are pretending to be is pretty smart because mm-hmm. he knows if someone goes, "Who are you here with?" He's like, "Oh, I'm with Johnny and Jim. They're, they're the sports illustrator. They're over there. Go ask, talk to them about it." Because he knows you're not going to go talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. It's too crazy. And I know you're not going to. And I'm going to look at your face and say, and no one wants to be like, I think you're lying to me. Like, that's very uncomfortable to yeah. do. Yeah. My dad, you know, something he would probably do would be, you know, he'd have those cards and be like, yeah, I'm sorry. My boss, though, is he's in at the game over here, too. So yeah. if you want to talk to him, here you go. Yeah. But people didn't doubt it whatsoever. Yeah, there would be like some delay, you know, holdups of us possibly getting into a locker room. But we never had a problem getting into a locker room. And you know, I was I was telling you, and I mean, you're, you're I guess you're a hockey guy now a little bit because of Nashville, the Predators. But I was at the Rangers game one, game five, and game seven, Stanley Cup, no tickets. Game seven, I sat glass. I went into the locker room for uh, the uh, for the Canucks after seeing them lose, and they were just like heartbroken. And then after that, my dad takes me into the locker room for the Rangers, where they're celebrating and drinking from the cup. The craziest experience, probably. I don't think any reporter. Did that? You, you went know? into yeah. both locker rooms. I went yeah. in both locker rooms. So you went, into, you know, the losing locker room, and this is a game seven, and Ranger yeah. and the Rangers won the Stanley Cup after not winning it for fifty four years. Yeah. So the Garden is the most insane thing. I go in the locker room. I got so many autographs, uh, so many pictures, and everything. And from there, I went to the Rangers after party, and I'm only eleven years old. <laughs> and the way I got in was crazy because we go to the the door for the party. It's in the Garden. It's upstairs. And we can't get in right away because our press credentials don't allow us access. And so it's like, like, come on, like this is, I was, I was, I was so used to getting in everywhere. I'm like, this is where it ends. Yeah. (laughs) And this guy, my dad always easy, you know, could always find a way to get us in. This guy walks by and this is when people had rolls of film and he, he goes, I don't have any film. And he saw my dad with his camera and he goes, like any chance I could have a roll of film. My dad goes, yeah, you could have a roll of film. 
if you could get my son into this party. And I just walked in with this strange guy to the Ranger Stanley Cup party. And I just went, went up. I had this uh, this hat. I wanted to get it signed by the four all-stars of the Rangers that year. It was Brian Leach, Mark Messier, Adam Graves, and Mike Richter. And I just went up to them in the party. They're all sitting there with their their wives or girlfriends and I'm getting all the autographs. And it's probably at this point, like two in the morning. And my dad, he, <laughs> yeah. he wound up getting into, I don't know, probably went through the vent or something, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, uh, yeah, he got in and then we were there and I just remember driving home and I'm, you know, 11 years old. It's probably six in the morning at this point. And we lived in Long Island. So it's about an hour back and we, we drove, drove home and it's just like, you know, I'm the happiest kid in the world. And, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, an experience. I'm going to school the next day. I can't share with a single person. Yeah, you know, outside of like, I, yeah, I was at the game. And you going to school, you're on basically no sleep. Yep. And just go to school and just be like, yeah. And then, and then the kids at school, are like, did you watch the game last night? And you're like, I mean, I was there. Yeah. yeah. It presented me with a different life in a way where I was able to meet people who really accomplished stuff that almost seemed unreachable. Yeah. Like these athletes. Meeting Michael Jordan, meeting the Rangers, and being at witnessing these things kind of show me it's like you know if you not only if you, not forget about lying, but if you work hard, you could get there. So it like kind of it allowed me to rub elbows with them, which was a, definitely probably the best lesson out of all of it. And also, of course, I mean, obviously, I know how to lie if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can lie. If you, yeah, if you need to. Yeah, that's that's, that's it's unbelievable. And so he would send you in too. Like so, it wasn't like he was doing all this for you. It was. Like you said, he almost liked the idea that he got you in more than even him being in that room. Yeah, I think he liked accomplishing the, the lie yeah. of being accomplished was like hey, a nice check mark for him. He's like, I did it again. I did it again. Yeah, I'm successful. Yeah. yeah. Where did you meet Mario Lemieux? Oh, uh, Mario Lemieux. So there was a celebrity golf tournament called the CGA. They, I don't think they do it anymore, but it was uh, in Long Island and Mario Lemieux. And all the celebrities, that's where I also met John Elway too. But um, they were they were staying at this Marriott Hotel in Long Island. Yeah. And Mario Lemieux was the number one hockey player I always wanted to meet. And my dad calls up, finds out, you know, where they're staying. And they're staying at this Marriott. He calls up, says that he's their show, uh, that he's Mario Lemieux's chauffeur. Uh, I don't know how he got, you know, Mario Lemieux's room number. It was probably used using an alias or whatever. And found out um, what time Mario Lemieux by posting as a chauffeur, find out what time Mario Lemieux was going to come downstairs uh, for his to to take him to the the golf tournament. And once he knew that, he then followed that up with a call as Sports Illustrated for kids, asking if he could do like a fifteen minute interview before his uh, chauffeur arrives. And he knew the time now, so it was like, yeah. <laughs> "Oh, can you meet me at like seven forty five when it, you know we're meeting at eight a.m.?" And Mario Lemieux said, "No problem." My dad reserved this private hall in this Marriott hotel, just big banquet hall. It was just me and Mario Lemieux and my dad videotaping me interview Mario mm -hmm. Lemieux. And, you know, I don't, I can't even tell you, I don't even remember what I was asking him, but that videotape still exists, probably in my dad's uh, house still. And uh, then I, after the interview, I had Mario Lemieux sign a couple autographs and my dad's like, why don't you walk Mario Lemieux out to his, uh, his car? And so we took this like long walk and he was just talk, talk, talking hockey with me and telling me, you know, work hard and all that, you know, yeah. all that You're stuff. You're playing hockey at this time. Yeah, I was yeah. a big hockey guy. Yeah. I loved hockey. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, we was, you know, meeting your idol. I'm like, it, just another one. I mean, he, he, him to me was also like a Michael Jordan. So I, I loved hockey so much. Just being around Mario Lemieux was cool and, and getting to take that walk, which was just surreal. Yeah. Wow. Look at that picture with Elway. Look at Elway's hands compared to 
Oh yeah. <laughs> he crushed. So yeah, Elway crushed my hands with it. And so I met a lot of people where, you know, you're like, Oh, it's nice. I'm going to shake this guy's hand. And Elway almost broke my hand. I remember thinking, <laughs> were that. you ever nervous when doing this? I wasn't nervous. I kind of got, I was nervous more meeting them than but not getting caught, caught whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Caught, getting caught was not, not a thing. Cause y'all never got caught. Never got caught. Yeah. The, yeah. The only thing I got nervous was meeting them, you know, at, I definitely had, uh, you know, kind of an idea like, oh, maybe like we're not going to be able to get in. Like there's, you know, you never know. And, but every time it, it wasn't a problem. Yeah. So why'd y'all stop? I uh, became 38. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, it was like, by the time I was 14, I was, I didn't want to keep on lying. It, yeah. it became a thing. It becomes a little bit draining. And my dad, again, this is every, you know, he was doing this in all aspects of his life. So, you know, business, he uh, owned this payphone company. And one of his things that he did was he would pose that he worked for AT and T. He was big on posing. Yeah, as, yeah. you know. So he posed. He, he posed. Your, my he, dad poses as the most successful human being yeah, that's yeah. ever lived. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So he posed as a worker for AT and T, uh, and his thing was he would put in payphones in different businesses, and they thought they were getting, you know, from AT and T. My dad had a business line that had the same ring chime as AT and T. Like everything was AT and T. And eventually it got, uh, got caught up where AT&T found out about this. This is the craziest story. But uh, this blow, to me, this blows away the, the Sports Illustrated. They found out that he was, um, and, I, and these, this has been fact-checked by a cousin, but they found out that my dad was posing for AT&T. They sent him a whole bunch of cease and desist letters. My dad just keep on, kept on ignoring it. Eventually, the feds came to my house <laughs> to like investigate and, and check and take check all my dad's like paperwork and they started when I, this is when i was about uh i say 12 years old they started taking a whole bunch of boxes outside of my house i was home at the time my dad told me to come downstairs in my pajamas and he gave me um one of my dad's hats that that said like at&t on it and he goes just say like why are you taking my dad's stuff so like we had like a thing that we would do yeah. where he would rely on me yeah. to like kind of be a little bit of like a like a backbone in in you know giving these people some like oh maybe we shouldn't be doing this he has like a kid and his kids here anyway he wound up calling my cousin saying like i'm in like some deep crap here like i don't want to i don't i might be going to jail like yeah. they like that's a big thing. Like AT and T is a Fortune 500 company. He's been posing as them for over five years. He has a whole bunch of different accounts. <laughs> the money that he made by doing that by having his payphones that say AT and T on them, they 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 all think these companies think that they were hiring AT and T. And fast forward like six months, my cousin wound up following up with my dad. Hey, whatever happened with like AT and T and like the whole like the whole thing? And he goes, my dad goes, oddly enough. The place where they're hiding, they're hiding like and having uh, all the the evidence. That room got broken into, and is now gone. And so, so, <laughs> yeah. my, and my cousin has said this. He goes, it's "Like Breaking Bad." Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, my cousin goes, "I wouldn't put put it past your dad." I don't know a hundred percent if this is true, but I wouldn't put it past your dad that he got into that evidence room somehow, whether somebody he knows or he how was able to break himself and was able to get that stuff out of there <laughs> on top of that my dad countersued at and yeah. and won <laughs> and won yeah. yeah and I was at, I had to give a deposition yeah. saying that they lost autographs so my dad God knows how much money he made off of that yeah. because he said that some of that stuff were were priceless memorabilia and we have all these these photos so yeah. you know this money I, I never saw uh, again yeah. I don't talk to my dad 
um, right now. Maybe I'll start because in case I need some cash. cash but, yeah. But uh, he, you know, he did that, and and I would go. To, I went to a deposition, and I was able to fake cry. So it's like I was able to. <laughs> I put on. I was able to put on a show. Yeah. So this, you know, that's the kind of kid that he raised. <laughs> And we got away with it, and you know it's, it's all part of you know. I wonder if that's my what makes son. you not say on America's Got Talent you're getting married, like you're yeah. not yeah. like you're you you look at even though that's the truth and it's happening during this moment. You a have this story about your dad that you could have probably said on America's Got Talent mm-hmm. and they would have loved, and then also that you're getting married, and so then you don't say. Obviously, you don't talk about your dad. You don't even talk about your dad in your act. That Sports Illustrated thing was like, we don't, we're the ones that all knew that story. And yeah. we're like always telling you, like, why are you, you need to say this story? And you don't really ever say it much. Not like you're scared to say it. Right. But it's, you just, I don't know. It's like you just. Don't. I don't know why I don't say it. I mean, part of, I think it's so out there of of a story of like figuring you know, yeah figuring it out of, of where to movie, go like mm-hmm. yeah. almost about like it's yeah that would be the goal i mean i that's what i would want to see is yeah. that um to you know to to show that because my dad was you know is a unique guy he's still around and you know I, he's always uh up to something so i haven't talked to him in in over uh 20 years so i mean wow. god knows what he's doing but and he like, found out walk- that he goes, well, Gary, we got a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Come on in. Here. Walk right uh, in. here he is. He's right here. His name's uh, Breakfast. <laughs> Hello, son. Hello. I think it's interesting that your act on stage is so low energy and so low key. Yeah. You have no act outs, but yet you can cry on You could be the best actor comedian ever. Yeah, I could I could turn it on in terms of lying for sure. Well, but I just I, you know, it's something it's weird because it's like it's almost like I did that so so much in my yeah. life where I was I was living that where Almost like now it's like time to live in a different way. Yeah. Well, you're always someone good on the road with because you're always like, if there's anything that we want to do, like it's like, hey, dude, we need to like check out. Like Gary's like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll do it. Like he'll he'll go talk to anybody and ask anybody anything. Yeah. Anything that is like, hey, you know, you know, stuff that you I don't know, like you don't want to ask, but you're like, I wonder if they'll let us do this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, I could find a way for them to make it do it. Gary not a problem. Will, yeah, he's always been like that for like it's just like, yeah, just Gary will do it. Like yeah, you, you don't care about asking anybody anything. Absolutely not. And the other thing I'm good at is if somebody tries to scam me or like not not just me, like, you know, my wife or something, I'm like, that's that's bull. Like that's not yeah. they're not they're not being you know true. You they're not being it. truthful or I mean, when you you know when you're talking to somebody and they're telling you a story, it's like I'm just like this. Guy, I mean, you're making up so many details. Like yeah. I could, you know, it's just I've been around the best. Yeah. So I was trained yeah. by the best. I so. mean, to get him to sue AT and T and win, yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> I mean, it's that's unbelievable, dude. Like yeah. that's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, our thing was, I mean, when we were in Des Moines, we did that yeah. theater, and then this woman came up and she goes, uh, by any chance, are you? the son of Manny Veter to me when we were in the meet and greet line and when she was, I was in the meet, I was trying to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, after he opens for me, I make him, he goes, I'd love to talk to you. I go, well, there's a line Gary and you're welcome to wait in that line and then we can have a conversation afterwards. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm waiting. This is way before COVID. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> Nate has a line and then I think, I, I just stand behind Nate waiting for a line. Hopefully a line is going to form by me. Yeah. But no, whoever trickles off a Nate line, sometimes they want to say, you know, they want to say hi to you. And uh, this woman comes up to me and she goes, by any chance, are you the son of Manny Veter? And I go, why have you heard from him? <laughs> I haven't heard from this guy <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. And she goes, well, um, uh, actually, we were just in uh, Normandy together. 
Where's Normandy, by the way? France. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Uh, yeah. Nice. Notre Dame right there. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's good. These are most educated. <laughs> yeah, that's where you took a lot of classes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she was in Normandy with him because my dad was taking, uh, he took, I guess, they, World War II vets to Normandy to like fly over and like see it after not being there for whatever, like 75 years. I don't know if that's factual yeah but around that time so world war ii they landed on normandy and there's a big thing <laughs> supposedly, yeah supposedly. yeah it was a pretty big deal <laughs> normandy beach. some stuff happened there yeah. Yeah. so some people have more interest in it than others but go ahead Gary. yeah uh, <laughs> so uh her she's i guess part of this organization and my dad is now part of this organization i mean my guess is it's some you know shady stuff going on there <laughs> something and uh, it also involves a camera so he's still kind of like sticking with you know the i guess part of a camera ca- camera spiel and he uh was taking pictures for all these like Do you old know where vets. he lives he actually i know he still has our old house our old yeah. house which is in uh, long island it's uh yeah he lives there and as far as as much as i know and maybe you know he knowing him he probably has like another house or two somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's so and he's never, so he's never gone to jail. Never, yeah. you know, hasn't done time. I mean, it's all kind of past the time now. He couldn't really go, right? I mean, like, it's like, is the statues of limitations? Is that what it is? Like, you can't after, <laughs> I don't know. Is that the way statues? That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eventually, you yeah. can't, you can't prosecute a crime. Statute? Statute. Statute. Not statues. Not a of, statue. Yeah. There's a limitation. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, what's this? This is a beautiful statue. What is that? It's of limitations. <laughs> and you go, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's salmon, not salmon. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think, you know, I mean, obviously there are other con artists out there, but my dad never got caught. You know, he was able to put me in scams, you know, did it his whole life. And I think part of what made his scam so good was he kept it small enough where he wasn't he didn't get caught it's almost like yeah. if you keep it small enough it's not a it, and if you did get caught you're it's it's too small of a case for say like a you know a district attorney to make a career off of it mm-hmm. so eventually if you keep pushing the court system which is something my dad did he would he would be able to delay the courts till another district attorney because there's always turnover in the, yeah. those offices that they wouldn't want to prosecute it because it's not big enough. Like he yeah. had a furniture company and he would, one of his scams, I mean, this is in the eighties and it's not much of a scam, and, but he would, this is the simple things that he would do. He just wouldn't send certain people their furniture. He would take a hundred percent of the money and then tell them that, yeah, your furniture was delivered. And back in the eighties, you would have to go through so much for if somebody told you that they sent you their furniture and you're like, no, you didn't. Like, how do you even get to the bottom of that? Yeah. Like, you'd, you could file a complaint with the Better Bureau Invest, uh, was it? Better, Better Business, Business Bureau. Bureau. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's about that going through that headache, you would need so many other people to complain too, till you actually even saw a result. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that he would do. It's kind of like knowing how difficult it would be to get him caught. If you're able to confidently say, I don't know, man, we delivered it. Yeah. And then, so he's like, can I get my money back? No, because how do I don't know that you're running a scam? It's almost like I imagine I think you're what he was good at is he would turn it on you because you'd be like, how do I know you're not scamming me and you had this furniture? He's like, why would I do that? You're like, I don't know. Well, why would I do the other thing? And it makes you, you know, and that AT&T is like, why would I sue AT&T? They're the biggest company in the world. Yep. If I did something wrong, I'd have a lot of nerve to yeah. be able to sue they could end my life they're they have billions of dollars yeah and everybody's like everybody's still a person that's what i always think with everything bill burr had the great joke about that with like everybody's like a guy but it's it's everybody's a person 
Even if it's a judge, if it's this, it's that, it's still just a regular person. And so why would they not believe what he's telling you? you know? Totally. And he was really good at knowing, hey, I need to make more money. How do I get from this point to that point with making more money? Well, in you know, in that case, it was not sending them their furniture. Like I obviously as simple as that is, <laughs> yeah. just saying, like, yeah, it did. So what are you talking about? Yeah. And that's and then what and you're just like okay like you hang up the phone like and then that guy's like honey i have no idea what to do now he said that they sent it and did they sent it you know like they probably have to go through like golf you know yeah. the po- whatever I mean, whoever's trying you know. to figure that stuff out back then you got to call you're yeah, on hold yeah. and you're you know and then the furniture store's like no we did send like you yeah. who made the furniture you're not yeah internet you know but even now it's not fun that wouldn't be fun to yeah. do yeah, yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah, it's a hassle. So much. Yeah. It's a hassle. Did you ever hear when that story came out about from the real Sports Illustrated kid? They ever reach out to you and say you ruined my life? No. So <laughs> the, well, because they weren't doing um, the they didn't have an actual kid doing well, it. Well, the just kid a, that was still trying to get in it when you left, that was a real kid, right? No, no, no. It was just an. It was two adults. Oh, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, it was two adults. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. But it, yeah, my, you know, but that taught me, you know, knowing how to get from point A to point B. It's like you, there's always a solution to find. Like I would steal exams. I stole a midterm and a final in college exam. I went into it was very simple. It's just like kind of learning things. And this is kind of what my dad taught me. It's like this is how our brain worked and kind of how he trained my brain. But um, we there was exams, an exam at 10 a.m. and an exam at like uh, 4 p.m. in this uh, big lecture hall. And the one thing they would do is they would alphabeticalize the all the exams and put them out and my class was at 4 p.m so i would go into the 10 uh, a.m class take a random test right off like t- right off the the desk and then i'd have about six hours to have somebody complete it and yeah. then i'd go into the 4 p.m with all the answers already and they would just think that oh we just screwed up we didn't put this person's you know test out there and I was able to, I stole two tests in, at the University of Buffalo. Mid-term Were they final. good? Uh, did you get good grades? Yeah. I mean, eventually I, I wound up sw- switching majors and everything, but yeah, I got good grades. Yeah. I knew the I mean, answers. Yeah. You knew that. Oh. Oh, so you filled your own test out just knowing that. But I mean, I had somebody else because I couldn't, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was like, what if you steal it from a my, guy that's also like, no, dude, I stole that one. Yeah. And then y'all are just both like <laughs> yeah. dumb guys. Like, you know, but I, you know, answers. it wasn't there in high school. I sold tests too. I mean, cheating off of the exams. A lot of you know, I, I'll I'll give you one that was even. Cre- I was in. Um, I went to a private school. I went to three different high schools, but I mean, a lot of problems. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my family, but yeah. one of the schools I went to was a private school, and this teacher, uh, his name was Dean Sharpetier, was an English teacher, was giving me bad grades like throughout. Uh, class and granted, I'm not the best at English. I probably use some words that yeah. I, that didn't even make sense hey, today. As a welcome home, yeah, <laughs> no, no, it feels good. Yeah. Feels good. But I went to like extra help and everything, and and my grades never improved. and never got above a C. And we're going to the fourth quarter, and I'm like, this guy is giving better grades to uh, girls than he is guys. And I had this whole like petition, and I was able to get something like 125 kids signed it. And I went to his boss, the dean of students. Uh, dean of faculty to uh, be like, hey, all these kids signed it. This guy's obviously grading people unfair, and that guy goes, you know, it's like I'll look, I'll look into it. Like, and next thing I know, that uh, teacher comes to my dorm room because you lived on on like campus. It was a private prep school, and he comes to my dorm room and tells me how sad he is that I did that. Kind of like confronted me about it. Yeah, we have one final test left. 
I just plagiarize the crap out of it because I know I just put this guy through hell. He can't now say yeah. to me that uh, I that I'm I'm the one who's plagiarizing. I just made a whole big thing. He can't complain to anybody. He yeah. can't get me kicked out. Yeah. I wound up getting like, you know, an A plus on not only that, but for the for the quarter. It's like I called his bluff. He wrote on the exam, are you sure these are your own words? Yeah. And gave me an A plus though. Yeah. Mm. Because I had him in a in a corner and that's what Kind of, you know, stuff my dad taught me. It's this kind is gonna of like be like a, a usual suspect. We're gonna find out you're actually your father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's all like all the stuff that you've done. You're like, are you sure you weren't the one? How yeah. old are you really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I sold drugs in, in college too. I mean, it's just like I, things I got away with because I knew, like, I don't, I, you know, time. I mean, I had hair in college, thank God. Yeah. But it was I wasn't suspected suspected of doing that stuff. Yeah, I'm a small guy, you know, innocent and in, you know, in a way, looking. So I was able to get away with things. And uh, I left college with like twenty five grand, and and paid for everything. My parent, like my mom, she didn't have to pay like any money. Yeah. for for a bunch of stuff. That's crazy. God, Aaron was given plasma in college. Yeah, just to eat. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, what are you going to class like a loser, like a regular loser? <laughs> Still this a is, test. What's funny is like the experience of that is there's an argument to be made. Like what you learned in college is like some people would argue like that's a real life experience of, you know. You know, it's so crazy, like, when you're dead. Like, so if you if you got, I would think even though, like, my fear of if I got in trouble as a kid was my parents. They would be very disappointed in me, which I think everybody's kind of fear was. But you, that fear is gone when your dad's going to be actually proud of you and be like, if you went to him and got caught, he'd be like, well, how'd you get caught? And he would you would probably just have a conversation with him about what you did wrong Absolutely. to get caught, Absolutely. which is a pretty big thing to, like, if, if you're a kid and you don't have the fear of your parents being mad at you mm -hmm. that you can go do a lot of stuff because yeah. yep. you're not you're not really nervous especially, about yeah especially when they help you in that what was your mom you. thinking through all this i mean she was she was married to a guy she was you know she was already dealing with her own stuff yeah but yeah. uh you know he was lying he'd be gone for you know two three weeks at a time at, you know at points in what when i'm when I'm, we were all living together and so you know she was kind of like this is wanted to probably, I mean, she's, they're divorced now, but like, um, she definitely wanted to get out of that marriage and she was just dealing with her own stuff and she was a stay at home mom. So she kind of had to live by what, everything that he was doing. And I'm sure yeah. she, you know, definitely has regrets in terms of like, oh, she should have stepped in, but she was kind of uh, pigeonholed to being, a, you know, living that life because she didn't have a, a job and he was the, the provider. Yeah. And I mean, he's coming home with maybe no money to, Thirty thousand dollars. Like yeah. you don't know. Like yeah. it's like it's it's all up and down. Like, yeah, and if he does, it's like she has to be on board with whatever yeah. you know, whatever. Carmelo Soprano. Is. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, speaking about like you know being able to get away with stuff because my dad was that guy. Yeah, like I, you know, if I had a project due in school and I didn't do it, I would tell my dad, and he'd pick me up early, so I'd have you know more time to do it. It wasn't anything like, <laughs> hey, you know, you didn't do it. Now you have to, you know, deal with the consequences. It, he taught me, like, you could get out of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was. It's I mean, like working the system. Well, it's, I mean, it's a different form of education, to be honest. Like, you know, yep. in a really, it's just being like, I, you don't have to do all this stuff. So let's do another. Let's figure out another way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, in, you know, in a way, there could be someone listening to this podcast who's like, wish I had that kind of bond with my dad. Like, there's <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, Bates said, he's like, you know, what made you stop doing the Sports Illustrated thing? But, you know, part of the reason, you know, why you eventually stop is you're like, yeah, I just don't want to live that way. I need to get over this and see if, if my dad put that much energy into something else, he would have succeeded. Yeah. It's like, that's a smart person. Yeah. So, yeah. 
that's what if that that was probably the biggest lesson where you're like, oh, if I wanted to do, you know, you know, it was comedy, you know. So I'm like, if I put as much work as my dad did into those scams, if I do that into comedy, I could get, you know, uh, you know, to a decent place in comedy, yeah. a place where I could have a career and not have a, you know, a regular job. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. 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 There. You uh, almost had inside park home run off a walk just due to confidence. Just yeah. confidence. Yeah. yeah. It's that was blind confidence. I don't know. I have that confidence, but <laughs> confidence is uh, confidence is everything. If you're confident, you can get there. Like I mean, I say it in that joke, you can get away with whatever you want because uh, you know no one knows to question it. Mm-hmm. No one knows. You can't believe something's happening to you. That's almost like where you're dead. Like if you think you're like, well, they're gonna know you're scamming them. They can't. They would never believe that they could be scammed. Yep. So if you're confidently scamming them. They're like, well, you're not doing it to me, dude. I know I can't be scammed. Well, that's probably the easiest person to scam is yeah. someone that thinks that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't think that people lie. You know, that, that, that most people are trustworthy. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they think that people lie, but it's not like a major lie. They don't think that they're going to face it that day. It's, you're getting caught off guard Yeah, is basically what happens. Yeah. You know, I mean- the only time people know that they're getting scammed, you get a cold, you know, a cold call from a number, and that's not even necessarily a scam. It's, hey, can I, you know, uh, talk to you for a minute? And you don't know the number. You're like, all right, this that seems like a scam. I'm not going to yeah. talk to you. You hang up the phone. So that's when you're on guard. So if you get somebody out of their element, you know, in a, you know, not just asking for money, you could kind, of, you could figure out a way to. It's much get harder out in person too, and your dad seems to be doing this in person. And yep. so it's like on the phone is like easy to hang up, but mm-hmm. a lot of stuff your dad was doing was he's he's looking you in the eyes. Yeah, and these people so, are at their job. Yeah, so what are they gonna you know what are they gonna say? It's like it's it's much harder to say no to a guy that's staring at you. Yeah, and yeah. they also yeah if you say no and then it for the they would probably think like oh there could be consequences with this like if I say no and he is this person then I'm dealing with yeah. that now. Yeah. This is I want to give it to David WR99, the guy from Rogan. How do you think about this one, buddy? Yeah, like, is, this not a, is this not enough for yeah, you? Some meat on the bone this yeah. time. That's I mean, it's crazy that I didn't knew we knew about your dad with that, but I don't know if I think I've really talked to you about like all the, the other big backstories. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, I mean, you definitely need to write a movie or you know, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's all this stuff. Yeah, I didn't I'd even know until I did research on this that con man con is just short for confidence man because that's no. Oh, are you, oh, are, you, wow. are you lying? Yeah. That, that's, yeah. No, that's that's, that's real? Because, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he's not being confident even in that state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, exactly. no. I didn't no, I'm know confused. that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic. Oh, really? No, I have no idea. Yeah, that's short for confidence, man. All right. What are some? Yeah, what are some famous comments? Most of these are just financial. But the good thing about yours is no one really th- got hurt. There were no victims. Yeah, just my family. Yeah, has <laughs> <laughs> a doctor's dad yeah. twenty years, yeah. uh, divorced. You know, but yeah, but no, his, his yeah, kid so, doesn't have a grandparent. But I know. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, were you, uh, you know, was, they were they were fun. It was well, a fun time. I doubt Michael Jordan feels too bad about it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Most famous con man, Charles Ponzi. I mean, with a name like that. You yeah, he, start, he started yeah. it all. Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Which I, you guys. Still file today. It's a big thing. You know, yeah. Ponzi scheme I mean, is so many the cla- are, it's like the, you know, it's, it's the, the classic It's one. like the rule of three for comedy almost. Yeah. It's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So I didn't know the difference between a Ponzi scheme and a pyramid scheme. And they're very similar, but pyramid scheme, you just got to get the people below you to start getting more mm-hmm. investors. And Ponzi scheme, you, you got to get all the investors. But Ponzi, uh, do you probably feel better because you're going after richer people? Not is necessarily. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Bernie Madoff, he was the one that 
He was a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So everybody's giving him money, and then he's, if someone wants to leave with money, he gives them that other guy's money. He yep. gets newer investors' yeah. money and gives it to those people. Yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Bernie Madoff showed huge returns on what he was doing, So, which is always suspicious when you're investing money. So if you're getting crazy returns, how is that po- how are you how is this the guy that that knows the market better than anybody mm. and these you know really uh, wealthy people thought that he was you know legit because he knew had other wealthy people doing it and that's what it is it's kind of like who you know so the hit in yeah. his case it was my dad showing pictures that we were at the garden before to you know different security guards them being acquainted with you know different billionaires it all made sense it's just the story added up and that's kind of i feel like how he he was able to get away with it and didn't tell a soul didn't even tell his own kids yeah yeah bernie madoff which was the way to do it it was true conman yep like just yeah keeping it that tight of a secret that's what happened with his with his kids was that's why i got so bad because no one could believe that they didn't know and they were in on it Mm -hmm. and you're like no i mean they weren't that's how he got as long as he did how did they even have catching he, him? Like they just his, started- ki- his kid was uh, questioned him about it late, yeah. and uh, he his one of his kids exposed him to it. From what I believe, Bernie. Yeah, yeah. And I think once the financial crisis of two thousand eight happened, it just uh, everybody wanted their money. Everybody wanted their money, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, he wasn't getting new investors at that time, and he just ran out of money, and so yeah. everybody found out about it. Um, Frank Agnell. Junior, mm-hmm. that's a fo- popular one. Catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. He Great was a movie. Pilot, yep. a lawyer, a doctor, faked his way through all that stuff. That would yeah. be like your dad. Yeah, and the way he was—I mean, he did it back in the—I uh, guess that was like fifties, sixties—and yeah. yeah. he did it as a kid. So kids are believable. So yeah. you know, in a way, and and uh, I mean, I know it as DiCaprio. So I don't know what he looked like as a kid, but. Yeah. Uh, gorgeous man <laughs> look like you you were a young uh strapping young man that everybody believed yeah you could get away with stuff so he you know him being you know 19 or whatever when he started part I, and i read about you know frank abagnale and part of the reason why and I, and this is what's crazy about my dad um and it goes along with bernie madoff too is you don't think about the consequences and a mm. kid who's doing scams you don't think about the consequences. Think about how much daring we were more as kids mm. and what we, you know, the kind of life that we were leading. Because yeah. you don't care about things happening. Yeah. And I think the great con man also, besides being confident, is like you don't care about what you don't even think about it. Mm. You're just like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get away with it. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, that's why he was able to, I think, you know, pull off being the lawyer, the doctor, and all that stuff. Well, you trying to, like, you know, you looking, being a kid, Versus if you came up to me now, I'd be like, this guy's a convent. You look yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Now I got the shaved head. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I believe even anything that you're t- today. You're like, yeah. I didn't even have a phone. What do y'all think the highest level of profession you could masquerade as is? Comedian. Like as a, as a, as a conman? <laughs> I think you have trouble selling that. Uh, uh, you think you could like show up in court one day and be a lawyer and pull it off, you think? No. I so I think comedians are, I think we're good talkers. Mm. And uh, I do think, like, we, and especially the longer you do this, you you talk a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't need a lawyer, obviously, I would, I'd probably, you know, some of the big words <laughs> probably get me. I think I could talk my way. If I, if I back against the wall, I have to do it. I could talk, you know, I could maybe make up some. Yeah. You know, I I don't know what I would really. 
I mean, here's the, you need to have knowledge on that stuff. Yeah. So if you don't have the knowledge where you could actually, t- you have to know some, what you're talking about to be that lie. So I, th- I think it would be like fi- like finance, getting people to invest. Just it, And you don't really have to act much. Like, hey, I know how to do, uh, you know, E-Trade. And, you know, if you could put put a bunch of money into an account, throw a few, you know, few dollars in and then get people to keep on investing. I think that's like the easiest thing. Even small people, it doesn't have to be millionaires. It could be people who make, you know, whatever, you know, $50,000 a year. Yeah. You know, it's get- yeah. Like, so it's not like I could be like, I think I could be a police officer or something like that. It's, yeah. but I think I have the tools to talk. Yeah. And so like, if you give me the time to go like, yeah, to be very convincing, I think I could be very convincing. I think I could, if I really believed it, I so think I could like convince you. CNBC, CNBC. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm missing a letter. Is that all of them? No. <laughs> Let's say they called you tomorrow and they're like, we're going to bring you on the program as a financial expert. And you have like a day to, to get that character together. You think you could pull it off convincingly? If, if I knew on. enough about it, if I yeah. if I if I had the desire, I, what I've learned is like if I don't have a desire to do something, I kind of don't do it, yeah. and like I won't go all in on it. But if I had the desire to do it, could I go on and do it? I can be a talker. I've learned to being in New York for a long time. I learned how to like I can talk enough to uh, with an audience. I can talk on t- to stay on top of you. The audience is, you know, when you're when you're on stage and the audience uh, feels like you're you might lose them a little bit. And you start yeah. talking a little bit more to try to keep their attention more focused on you because you're like, you can feel they're starting to get drunk and like wander and you'll be like, I hey, remember that like you kind of stay on them. Yeah. I mean, that's a something you know how to do. And I think if you do something like that, all it is, is the whole conversation is that the whole conversation is I'm not trying to let you ask me something. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to let you get a word in. Cause if you get a word in, then you're, then you could, you know, you could shoot through my whole thing. Yeah. So if I just kind of keep going, no, that's why we did that. We did, you know, it's like you're investing. I promise like this dude, this guy, <laughs> I've never met a guy like this. I never like, can you believe this guy? Like I was lucky to even get to meet him. You know? Yeah. I know a guy you invest. You want to invest with like, you're like, this guy's the greatest dude ever, dude. Like yeah. they're, they're, you know, you start saying these kind of weird things, like you said, like stuff that they can't question. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, even though I, I, I feel like I could be a, a manager, an agent, you know, in comedy. I mean, it's the easiest. Yeah. I mean, to me, though, not every, you know, not every manager or agent is bad, but definitely at certain levels when you're first starting, you're not, uh, you know, I wasn't meeting the best ones. So th- these people, you're just taking somebody's word for it. So it's like they, they're able to kind of be like, oh, I could get you stuff and do, you know, do things for you. All these are, yeah, you're hoping that they're telling the truth, but a lot of times they didn't, you know, come to fruition. Probably because of my abilities, but you know, <laughs> yeah. more so than anything. But yeah, they, you know, they kind of talked a big game, and that's that's something that uh, I guess you know maybe they think they could, but you know, you're you're kind of at their their like uh, I don't know what's the word, but but either way, you're you're kind of at their at their mercy. That's the word. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's so, so, how he brings you so into simple. the scam. Is he yeah. lets you go mercy, and you, now you're a part <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. You're like. He goes, that's a word. Good word. Brian. That's funny. Good word. A lot of people do that on yeah, yeah. That like do that like yeah, kind of pull you into it. Yeah, and yeah. Being a, I knew comics that were uh, I think were going to be better agents or managers right. or producers than they would be. Uh, we've talked about Souljo a lot on this. Souljo was so good at running shows and setting yeah. these shows up and getting these shows going, and he's now created into. I mean, he's not a scam. Right. He's doing legit shows, right? But like someone that's like they get better at like that kind of aspect to it. Where they just know how to like they know they understand the business side. Uh, did Soul Joy ever? I don't remember if he did comedy. Uh, maybe at the beginning, I don't know if he did. But like he was so good at creating shows, mm-hmm. 
and like producing and like, you know, and just knowing how to like do this. I mean, he, he did it all the right way. I mean, he, you know, yeah. but guys are, some guys are just better at that aspect of it than they are at this aspect. Yeah. And know? it comes down just to like selling, but yeah, as yeah. far as the manager, selling. Yeah. The managers and the uh, agents, yeah, you're hoping that they're telling you the truth. And I, I think that would probably be something that I would be able to do and, you know, but, but hopefully bring it, you know. I, the best thing is be honest and be good at what you're yeah, doing, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I wanted to be, the easiest thing to do is scam comics. When yeah. you really think about it, they're trusting oh, you and everything. Yeah. And getting anybody control- chasing a dream would be very easy. A- to absolutely, scam. anybody chasing yeah. a dream, anybody who has hope, because comics also we're so bad with money that you trust somebody like, oh yeah, I'll get you this deal, and you realize, you know, you could realize, you know five years later that they've been screwing you over. Big thing that was a story with Gary Shandling, Brad Gray was not only taking a manager fee, but he was an executive producer fee on, uh, I think it was the Gary Shandling show. So it was like double dipping. Yeah. Which you're not is, supposed to do that. If you're, yeah. so like any of the shows that I've done or my managers were going to be producers on the show, that means I don't have to pay them a commission. So that's the deal. They get to be producers. I don't pay them a commission versus he's, he's being a manager and, and then, so he's taking ten to twenty percent and extra, and he did that that whole show, yeah, yeah. And that's not a crazy scam. However, you put it's somebody money, in, big put show. somebody in charge your money, and that's they see like I could just do that, and then there you go. That's you know, it's as and they think well, he's that. making you know, it's like it's not like he was poor, no. Like he's like he's making enough money anyway. You're like, but he should be making more, yeah. yeah. And they were friends, but it's like he knows that. You know, in these cases, like people who aren't paying attention to their money, mm-hmm. that I could take advantage of this person. So we used to do shows. I remember uh, when you first started with Charlie Talent, or I think it was Charlie. No, I don't want. I don't want to throw these names in. Like these are the bad. Charlie Talent yeah. is like a good thing now, but like it was. It was like these get these emails. It was like a a bad version of like the good ones now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would do stuff where you would get a check. Like you'd go do a show, you know, say two hundred bucks, and you would do a show at a club, and then the guy would be like, "All right, they're going to give you a check for five hundred. Send me the three hundred, and you keep the two hundred. And so then you would have to go send the guy that booked it. And on top of that, he was, which is already crazy, to be you're like, why don't you take the money before? Like, why yeah. do I get it, and then I got to send you this money? But then they were also getting the deposit before that. So like a lot of guys got caught. You know, that got kind of, I mean, I'm sure there's still bad guys out there, but overall, back then, a lot of them got flushed out because they were doing that kind of stuff. Like, in comics, we just do it because you were working. You didn't know. You're like, all right, I got $100. I got to send mm-hmm. him this. Yep. And you and he would give you a lot of work. If you kept sending those checks, you'd be like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm working a lot. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to, really, you don't want to mess it up because you think, I can't lose this. Yeah. They're like, Nate, you didn't even perform last week. Like, just take it. <laughs> just take it. Just take it. <laughs> do you remember uh, Danny Almonte? Yep, Little League. Yeah, so that was, sim- I mean, he was pretending, yeah. I mean, it was dad that's got him to do it, but he pretended to be two years younger than he really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was a big deal. They went- Little League World Series. Little League World yep. Series, they were from the Bronx. Were- yeah. yeah, throwing heat. Throwing heat. Throw 76 miles an hour, which from the pitcher's mound in Little League, that'd be equivalent to 102 mile per hour, miles per hour. Yeah. So he was throwing heat. And through a perfect game, Little League World Series, he claimed he was 12. Then people started investigating, found out he was actually 14, and they had to forge all their games. Mm-hmm. They won it all. Now they'd finish third. Um, it's crazy they don't win. You do that and not win is what's crazy. Well, yeah, because he can't pitch every game. That right, was, he had that a pitch a, limit. That was a problem. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and he wasn't the only team. There was another, back in, I, I mean, I used to follow Little League World Series all the time. Yeah. There's a team from Taiwan. Well, that, sports was for kids. You, you I, had to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Long, Island, uh, Long Beach, uh, they won back-to-back years. 
and they played, I think it was Taiwan, and Taiwan had te- uh, players that were like <laughs> 13 or 14. But um, don't check this fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just trying to make conversation. Yeah. No, you're but way they, wrong. But they, uh, yeah, Long Beach beat them, and uh, it, no, the Long Beach uh, lost to them, but they like, got like murdered. And uh, Taiwan, it turned out that they had like players that weren't even eligible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another fun one. James Hogue. He, this is what you may have done if comedy hadn't worked out. Yeah. He went to the University of Texas, but quickly dropped out. Then he went to a community college, dropped out. Now he's 25 years old, so he stole the identity of a deceased child and enrolled as a student at Palo Alto High School under a different name. He was 25. He pretended to be a 16-year-old orphan from Nevada. He started running cross-country and was dominating. (laughs) (laughs) And he got so far ahead, failed. He won the race, but he never would report the official score table, which aroused suspicion. They started doing an investigation. Sports reporter dubbed him the mystery boy. They finally figured out that he was fake. So then he just left town, got out of town. So then he uh, enrolled at Princeton University, told him he was a self-taught orphan from Utah (laughs) who uh, grew up in the outdoors of the Grand Canyon raising sheep and reading philosophy books. And he got in at Princeton. They gave him financial aid to help him out. They were so excited to have him. And he got into all the big Ivy League clubs there. He was also on the track team. And then finally, a student from that high school, Palo Alto High School, recognized him on campus and called the same reporter who did the first story, and the guy exposed him again. Wow. And then he got – when was this? This was in the early 90s. He just could – I wonder what that guy's up to now. What's his name? Uh, James Hogue. Uh, You could could get away with – like, internet just ruined a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Because the internet – you know, uh, the the. <laughs> I mean, you Google someone's name, so yeah. It's, it's I like, like how you say it ruined it. God, you just cannot get away with anything. You can't get yeah. you, and you can't yeah. scam artists. I mean, now there's like way more scam artists, but it's like a business now. It's like mm. you know, you're it's it's it's. I feel like now it's uh, quantity over uh, was it? no your quantity Funny over quality. quality yep. Yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna just send uh, four thousand emails out. Mm-hmm. If eight of them work out, then we made money, and then yeah. who cares? We just do that. Versus back then, your scam artist. There was art. There was art. I mean, mm-hmm. artists. There's art to it. Yep. I mean, that's yeah. you know, like what they're trying to come up with. Yep. It's yeah. It's kind of interesting, man. Here's this guy in Senegal who wanted to play professional soccer, so he got his buddy to call the owner of the Southampton team. and Where's Southampton? Do you know that? So, no, Is that I England? don't. Anyway, his buddy called him and said that he was one of the greatest soccer players ever, and that <laughs> I wish he would sign my cousin uh, to play on the team, and they fell for it. And the guy joined the team. He played one game. They said he could barely even run, <laughs> and they, they cut him. They realized it was yeah. a scam. Wow. Um. You guys, have you seen no. the movie um, I Love You, Philip Morris? No. Uh, no. Jim Carrey played this guy, Stephen J. Russell. He pretended like he was a millionaire from Virginia and tried to get a $75,000 loan in the bank in Dallas, but they figured out something was up, so they arrested him. But then he faked a heart attack, when he, and so they took him to the hospital, and then once he got there, they were guarding him. But he pretended like he was an FBI agent and called the hospital from his cell phone <laughs> in the <laughs> hospital room and said, he's good to go. He can be released. And they let him go. Wow. Oh, wow. They, they catch him again? Or? Yeah. They come yeah. again. Faking yeah. a heart attack is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can it's see old Jim school. Carrey doing that. Yeah. It's old school. 
You ever see the King of Queens episode where he, he goes to a dinner party at his wife's work and he can't remember somebody's name, yeah. so he fakes a heart attack <laughs> just to get it. <laughs> 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 extreme. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Richard Minsky, would cold call women and he would whisper so low that they couldn't hear him. And then finally they'd be like, Tommy, is that you? And he's like, and then he'd be like, now he's got a name. Yeah. And then yeah. he would put someone else on the line, also him, and say, I'm his Tommy's lawyer. He was just involved in a hit and run accident. And this guy, he's going to be sentenced to two years in prison. But the victim says, if you show up at this hotel with either money or sex, you choose, that he'll let you off the hook. And then this guy would go and, and do it. Wow. Man. Yeah. I mean, like, that's got to be when you get that call, like, to be like, those are your options. And you're like, you think the government's involved in this? And you're <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I guess so. I mean, that's, you know, it's tough. There was know? a case here in Nashville. Like, I mean, I had a friend that just did this. Right. They just went, this yeah. just happened to my friend. Like, if you, that one you want to do to other, you want to do it to like other people in that group. Yeah. So they could be like, I feel like this is a scam. You're like, I, yeah. I, it just happened to, uh, Deborah, yep. yeah, she had to go. Yeah. It's no, it's real. You trust me. You got to do one of those <laughs> things. It's it's very real. Your choice. There was a case here in Nashville. A guy they called him Fantasy Man, and he would just call women out of the phone book. The good old days when we had phone books, and he would pretend like he was her boyfriend, and then he would say, "Let's do this fantasy. Meet me at this hotel and wear a blindfold." And he was hooking up with chicks because they thought it was. Their, his boyfriend, and then eventually got caught and got charged with, I guess, rape. Yeah, yeah. But his argument was they left the door open. It was consensual. I mean, his argument was these women knew I wasn't who they were. We just yeah. had to hook up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted to do it. I mean, just to call – you always think, who could these people be that would – but I mean, I always say, like, I I don't know. It's like I, you get caught on the wrong d- right day or you're not mm-hmm. – Paying attention. You're not, yeah, yeah. you're not paying attention. You're not aware of what's going on. I mean, that seems insane to actually go there and get that far. But there has to be something in the, there where they want to yeah. do it yeah. in a way, you know? Well, the, the biggest scams now, it's like, you know, you get forget, – forget the emails, the calls that you could get from somebody. And a lot of times they're going after the elderly. You just won – you know, $100,000, but the only way you could get that $100,000 if you send like a $500 deposit so I could release the funds. Yeah. So that's how they'll get the money where they think they're going to be getting that $100,000 Yeah. after they send like a 500. So they're asking for money. You should never obviously send money Mm -hmm. because you won money. That would make no sense. But people are uh, so thrown off by hearing that they won. If you get the right person, they're going to be sending you that money. Yeah. And they obviously don't have it. So- uh, yeah, you're able to get away with that. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that are not, you know, quick. Like, there's not, there's a lot of people that are not, like, you know, they're, I don't know, they're not online. Yeah, they're not watching all these movies and seeing all these. You know, I feel like culture, as far as movies and stuff, makes you end up getting be more aware of like scams or I mean, listen yeah. to this podcast here and you talk about your dad. Right. Like, someone could then be like, no, I, I've listened to someone talk about someone being a scammer. That's in their mind. Yep. And then there's other people that are like, I don't know. I don't talk to really anybody. I go to the store. I come home. Yeah. I watch my this. I watch that. And then they get a phone call. It seems so crazy. How are you calling me? Yeah. You know? Yeah, my mom's the opposite. She watches so much local news, and there's always some scam on there. She thinks everything's a scam, even mm-hmm. if it's not. So if we're like at a restaurant, she won't pay with a credit card. <laughs> She's like, I'm not letting them leave with my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay in cash. That's a scam. Yeah, yeah. My mom thinks everything's a scam. Yeah. She's the opposite. It's the way to be, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Hampton, 
convince New Yorkers that he was the son of Sidney Poitier and got a lot of benefits, got in clubs and stuff like that. Uh, Will Smith played him in the movie Six Degrees of Separation. That's what that's about? Yeah. I had no idea. I can make a movie then. Yeah. If if that's the story. Well, that's not what Six Degrees of Separation means. Oh. Six Degrees means we're all... Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, he but he played a scam artist. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. I didn't know it was a, about a scam artist. Yep. Yep. Uh, so a woman in here just to be, you know. Have yeah. Some, <laughs> this is a very recent one. In fact, it hasn't even gone to trial yet. Elizabeth Holmes. She dropped out of Stanford and she started a company called Theranos. And she claimed she had a machine that could test your blood on the spot and determine any type of illness you had, and it was going to change the medical world. And they were calling her the new uh, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. They thought she was the new darling star, but it was all fake. She faked test results, all this stuff to do it. And um, she finally got convicted. She she was worth $4.5 billion. Wow. Now she's worth zero. Billion? Billion. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's how big. Because everybody would invest in this company. Thought that they thought this is the new big Silicon Valley thing. <laughs> I feel like you think you start that with her and you're just kind of like hoping that, you know, it's like kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes real. Yeah. You can't stop. Well, and that's even to show you that everybody wants to fall for that. I mean, there's this girl. She's 37. She's a pretty girl. And if she's... But Fortune yeah. named her one of the world's most disappointing leaders. That's just so <laughs> funny that they have that list. Yeah, they made that. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Just the well, biggest. you want to be like, it's not a leader. She made up a company. Yeah. Like, you know, to be like disappointing leaders, I mean, I would think it'd be like they, they actually had an idea. Yeah. That seems like it's made up out of nothing. I mean, I think her company was real, but it was based on this fake product that, you know, that didn't didn't go anywhere. She's married now and her trial was just delayed because she's due to uh she's pregnant. She's due in July. So they yeah, just pushed that her. That was trial planned. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. To keep, get scammed. Yeah, keep yep. having kids. Yep. She has fifty kids, never been able to get a trial. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jordan Belfort, we probably know that Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. All of that. This guy back in the day, people would fall for anything. Victor Lustig had a box, a money box, and he'd show people, put a hundred dollars in, and then it would spit out two one hundred dollar bill. And he said the box just can make money, mm-hmm. and it was counterfeit, of course. One of them was real, but then the second one that would come out back would, and people bought it for ten thousand dollars. This box that just makes money. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it was. When was that? Uh, this was in the 1920s. Wow. He wow. sold the Eiffel Tower <laughs> to a scrapyard company. He told them that he was with the government and that the Eiffel Tower is just not feasible now financially. <laughs> so if you want this scrap metal, I'll sell it to you. He sold it twice, two different wow. companies. <laughs> That's unbelievable, dude. I mean, that it goes, yeah. I mean, it, that's at that time, you'd be like, wow, dude, we're going to buy the Eiffel yeah. Tower. Yeah, there's just no way of checking yeah. anything. A yeah. different guy sold the Brooklyn Bridge and told people, you can set up toll booths here now that you own it and make a killing off of it. Yeah. Is that the yeah. ain't there a saying about selling the br- bridge or something? Or I, don't know. I thought there was mm-hmm. like a saying, of, and I wonder if it came from that. You've seen these services where you can like buy a star. Yeah. That's how I, I feel. That's why is that allowed? Yeah. I don't I know. Just I get own to, five of them, so I hope it's the real deal. Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You can yeah. name it. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah, I'll call it that, but is anybody else going to call it that? Well, maybe it's like, well, I mean, how do you even own it? But it's maybe yeah. in the registry, like they're saying, like, I bought you that star, that's your star. And it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely made up. But hope, you would hope that, like, maybe that star is, like, that one's already taken. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. How much are they? 
Mm. I mean, they interesting. I'll look it up. But yeah, like it could be who's selling these stars. Anybody asking you for money has to raise like some suspicion. Just in general, I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. Ask what what do you need this for? Yeah. If if they're telling you that they could help you, it's like you got to think like what's in it for them. Yeah. And I think that's like the best way to figure out if they're scamming you or not. Like every every deal should always benefit both people. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy who convinced a worker at the Louvre to steal the Mona Lisa. This is back in that. He put it under his coat and walked out with it. And then he never contacted that guy again. He just sold six fake Mona Lisas. And people believed it because they knew it was missing. Mm-hmm. So his whole scam was, I don't even want the real thing. Yeah. That just brings heat to me. Just you steal it for me. And then I'll sell these six fake ones. And people will believe it's real. Wow, and then they, they got it back. I was like gone forever, right? No, it, I, they like, finally found it. The yeah. guy who t- stole it from the... They found it off on him, but the guy who talked him into doing it, they never found that guy. And that guy was, that's, you know, that's what's crazy is that guy's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you don't be the one that walks out with the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. never going to look for me. Right. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the way, it's $20 to $100 to name a star, which I guess makes sense. We have a lot of them, like billions. But it is like, so who's namestarlive.com I mean like who's who has the rights to this I mean who's like what if this company goes under then you're like now the stars are all look is naming a star legit uh, oh, yeah, on the, you, that. you can't like buy one through NASA the answer is yes and no oh, names of astronomical objects are agreed upon by the International Astronomical Union whatever that is <laughs> most stars especially dim ones are only given coordinates and, des- and a designation in a catalog. Dim ones. There are millions and millions of stars out there with a long string of numbers and letters for a name. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's basically, it's like yes and no. It's like, no, it is legit, but it's just, a guy came up with that. He's like, I'm the reason you name stars. And you're like, none of that matters. Yeah. It just doesn't mean, Man. it's it's 20, you're paying 20 bucks to just have Spice, a nice moment with to your, have a nice yeah, moment with yeah. a un, with your, a person yeah. is what you're is yeah. what you're getting. And that's our star. That's our star. Yeah, and then that. I named it after because I mean you, that you know if I ran up to them yeah in a hurry in six years and I go don't worry your star is right now they're gonna be like oh I don't even <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have one then they'd be like no wait we did buy a <laughs> star <laughs> where is that star and then they would look for, like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I don't know if this is a scam but I I do feel it is and I heard recently so like you could buy. Uh, sports cards like you know like a rookie card tom brady's rookie card but like invest in it so if it sells for more money you get that money mm-hmm. so it's like it's a group of people so it's like i'm gonna put you know a thousand dollars on this card so i don't know if that's a new scam but it seems like people are doing it they're investing in in baseball or yeah. like sports cards just so if they sell for more but if they it takes a while for a card to sell. It's a yeah, whole yeah. process. Well, the yeah. tweet thing. What's the tweet? Oh, that's another one. I yeah. don't understand this. The NFT? NFT? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't really understand it. Aaron. It's like you're buying a tweet and you own that tweet. Like, you know, uh, like Elon Musk has some or you I could have had. Uh, yeah, Non-fungible so, tokens? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So you own that tweet. Like what's a famous, you know, the tweet. The I, first tweet ever. The is, first tweet yeah, ever. Is worth yeah. money. Yes, and you're like I. That's my. I own that tweet, even though anybody can look it up online. But they own it. People can still use it. It's very weird, and people are selling them for. Mm-hmm. I mean, five hundred grand. Yeah, that's crazy. It's all kind of made it like it's almost like yeah. we're, we're like. It's I feel like we've got too much stuff. Yeah, yeah we're just and r- we're all just trying to like rip each other off. <laughs> yeah, <people>. like, <laughs> it's like who's ever going to fall for that? Yeah, you know, it's one like, big Ponzi scheme. Yeah, everything's a big Ponzi yeah. scheme, and you're yeah. just hope you don't get 
caught with like holding the, you know, the bag when it's all over. Yeah, yeah you always heard those cases of GoFundMe's where people would just say, "Hey guys, I just." That's a some- classic GoFundMe. Is a I mean, is a big scam. GoFundMe is huge. Yeah, people asking for money it, on online Instagram. You know, oh my dog is sick and needs money for surgery. Just random people, and like people give money that don't even know that person. They just follow their dog's account or something, or you know, post a GoFundMe. Here's the link. They yeah. just do it. There was a lot of psychics on here, a lot of televangelists, but to me, it's, that's not a scam per se. If I mean, maybe it's a scam, but if you say, "Give me five hundred dollars," so you know you can be in the. 700 club or whatever mm. people think that's just stealing money but i think those people believe it's worth it to them yeah it's not like they're lying to you this just maybe not the best investment i don't know what if there's like i'm going to talk to your dead dad well the psychic it, yeah. yes yeah, sylvia brown was on here she was the most famous psychic that would go in montel and do that yeah i mean so baby your 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 dad could fit on all these yeah he, it'd be a matter could. about how you wrote it out to be like that a guy that make millions you saw that documentary yeah right? yeah. Yep. yeah yeah that, yeah that was a crazy yeah mm-hmm. that would be your dad totally oh yeah he'd be involved in that somehow just <laughs> yeah. like yeah now be but the thing is you know he he ran it by himself so he wouldn't want to be involved with like that was a that was an operation kind of so mm-hmm. we're, we're involved right it didn't involve yeah like well a it's the people. idea of more people involved yeah more problems come. exactly yeah let me do one more yeah do one more titanic thompson he was the uh golf scammer he would a golf hustler he once bet a guy he could drive a golf ball 500 yards using a hickory chef club and the guy took him on the bet and then he waited until winter and drove the ball in a frozen lake it's kind of like tin cup yeah i'm sure that's where the tin cup story came from but it is um (laughs) but he would do this hustle game where he he did pool everything and he started hanging out with professional golfers he made thirty thousand dollars a year hustling back in the 1930s and he would hustle these country club guys and he would he would beat them right-handed and then he's like all right i tell you what you want to do double or nothing i'll play this round left-handed and he would beat him again cuz he's really a left-handed golfer yeah he just wouldn't tell him that so he was the top pool player or golfer golfer but yeah. he also did pool he did mm-hmm. stuff with minnesota fats yeah ben hogan called him the greatest shot maker ever minnesota fats uh buried here hermitage tennessee oh yeah yep uh, I forget why, really, but we, I mean, we, my dad, we went to his, uh, his grave site when we were kids. I don't know why we did that. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that on the sports yeah. episode. I think yeah. his girlfriend or something, or he yeah. retired here yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. In Hermitage, yeah. Twelve Grove Baptist Church, where I used to go to church. Kind of crazy, like right there, yeah. like Minnesota Fats, like such a famous name. Yeah, and just you're like, yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That was fun. I'd learned. I didn't know. I, I didn't know all the extreme of all this. That's stuff. crazy. Yeah, That's deep, so interesting. Wild. Thank you guys. You got a lot of problems, Gary. Uh, <laughs> you should go back to therapy. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. A therapist, I, I think, would be like, whew, like I'm, he would be. I'm like going through my phone to make sure I still have his number. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah right, I gotta go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Uh, yeah, as always, thank you guys very much, Gary Veter. Check everything out he does. Uh, uh, on you know your web, do you have a website? Yeah, yeah, GaryVeter.com. Yeah. Gary, donate there. He's got money. GaryVeter.com. The Nateland Live podcast sold out. Do y'all have any dates coming up or uh, uh, Breakfast in the Gout tour? Breakfast uh, in the Gout tour <laughs> nice. coming well, out. Do you have anything? April seventh. I'm doing a show in Lexington. If we have some fans in yeah. Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. I think we don't there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if we do, go out and check out Aaron Weber. 
<laughs> like the grill weaver. Uh, thank you guys, as always. Uh, thanks for watching the special. Always means a lot, truly. See you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Nate Land Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. And please remember to leave us a rating or a comment. Nate Land is produced by me, Nate Bargetti, and my wife, Laura, on the All Things Comedy Network. Recording and editing for the show is done by Genovations Consulting and partnership with Center Street Media. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch us next week on the Nate Land Podcast.